those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic Party chose to have a convention here. Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen. But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you. In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat. We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when. Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the Southern Progressive Revival. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to Southern Progressive Revival, episode 16 on this Sunday, December the 20th, 2015. This is our huge holiday special, and tonight's going to be just a little bit different than what you're used to. We usually bring you a little bit of religion or tradition with every show, in addition to a whole lot of politics, but in honor of the season, we're flipping the familiar on its head. So join us as we explore the major winter festivals, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, and talk to two phenomenal guests. Uh, First on will be Dana Crow to discuss Hanukkah, and for the final hour, we will have on Peggy Schaefer to discuss the holidays, recipes, and meditation as a means to de-stress during such a stressful time of year. Of course, none of this would be possible without my incredible co-host, so let me go ahead and extend a laurel and a hearty welcome to Ms. Janet Lee, our bright flame that lights and fills our hearts with warmth. Happy holidays, Janet. Well, happy holidays to everybody. Can I take a moment to extend our condolences to President Carter Absolutely. for the loss of his grandson today? Yes, yes, his grandson, Jeremy. Uh, we found that out, I believe it was a couple hours ago, that uh, unfortunately his grandson passed away in his sleep. So, uh, 28 years old. I know. I didn't mean to bring it, bring it down, but we've done a lot of stuff on him, and I wanted to say how bad we felt about that oh absolutely i'm glad that you brought it up i actually thought about putting it in the doc and i forgot to so i'm glad that you brought it up but uh yes our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the carter family at this time i know that it's difficult to deal with the death at any time but when it's somebody as young as 28 you know it's certainly yeah. something difficult to deal with so but yes, thank you very much for reminding me of that, Janet. And uh, last but not least, the man who is so cool, he will be our official snowman for the evening, but who doesn't <laughs> frostbite unless you bite him first. Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Happy holidays, uh, Joey. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? <laughs> my condolences to the Carter, uh, Carter family. My condolences. And hello, my fellow Southerners, my fellow Facebookers, and my Twitter tweeter friends, and everyone in the <laughs> chat, and everybody on the internet. Hello. Yes, indeed. Yes, hello. And thank you so much for being here, sir. All right. So uh, just so everyone is aware, I have spent the week contacting and emailing various artists, and this show is going to have a whole lot of music. So look forward to that. We have uh, three different songs to play for you guys during the breaks. We also have background music for several of our segments, which should be pretty exciting and cool. Um, there's a song representing various traditions on every break that we will be, uh, or every segment that we'll be going through. There won't be the traditional segments that you're used to tonight. But uh, let's go ahead and start with the segment that does not have any music. This will be the only one tonight that does not. And uh, this will be discussing... 
uh, basically atheism, secularism, and uh, the secular celebration of Christmas. Because even if you do not celebrate in a religious way, it's still something to celebrate. So, starting off tonight, we have some positive news for you folks who are worried about the war on Christmas. It would appear as though 49% of the general population prefers the term Happy Holidays. Now, the religious right, of course, and the individuals that go on Facebook every single year and push this and just make everything really uncomfortable um, would have you believe that they are in the majority because they're loud and they don't like to be quiet about it. But uh, that seems not to be the case, Janet. It looks like uh, almost the majority of the country prefers Happy Holidays. Yes, and um, I like looking at the Wall of Separation, the AU blog, um, and they wrote, they did a study, and said that 42%, that just 42% study or celebrate in a religious fashion, strictly religious. There's 31 that doesn't, you know, a little bit, and I just thought that was fascinating because you hear everybody talking about the war on Christmas like we all do the same types of things, and we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's the norm, and it's not. I think Christmas is kind of popular everywhere, but it's not necessarily, you know, the, I think it's more of the somewhat uh, type thing, but not necessarily religious. Yeah, so, I mean, the... the vast majority of people that I know celebrate it as a secular holiday. I know people that uh, are with the Church of Christ who, according to their doctrine, do not celebrate Christi- uh, Christmas as a Christian holiday because that wasn't when Jesus was born. So they don't feel that it's appropriate. So they celebrate Christmas as a secular holiday. Um, so, you know, it's it's Christians, it's it's atheists. There There are a ton of people that do it. And uh, another thing that came out of this study, and uh, I would like to hear Joey's opinion on it because I thought it was interesting, is that the only group that prefers Merry Christian, uh, Merry Christmas <laughs> isn't just Christians, isn't just evangelicals within Christianity, but are specifically white evangelicals, and they come in at a whopping 62%. Yeah, and that, what it is, they got a bigger megaphone. And, uh, mm-hmm. They got a way bigger megaphone for this this crap because, you know, the people I knew when I was growing up, you know, we just celebrated. And, you know, and I'm going to tell you the truth. We uh, when we was we was young and, and we always thought that Christmas Day was Jesus birthday, which it wasn't as I got older, you know, and found out, did reading and found out. And mm-hmm. but, you know, we don't you know, we we celebrated it as just a just a holiday, you know, just, Even, just Christmas, you know, yeah. have a good time. And, you know, we give to other people and, you know, and, and it makes feel good to give someone presents and stuff like that and have a little pretty Christmas tree, have lights around your house and everything. You know, it's, it's one of those feel thing. good. Yeah. yeah, it's a family thing. Yeah, like you just said, Janet, you're right. It's, 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 it is a family thing. It is. And, you know, family come together on days like that. It's, just a, happy, it's, it's, it's a happy holiday. It is. And they said that even Catholics prefer the secular. And I think part of it is because people care more what other people think they do and i think there's a lot more of us that care about other people and their feelings Mm -hmm. and you know recognize 
that not everybody celebrates the same way or feels the same way. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that's always gotten my goat about seeing these posts on Facebook is that even if you are an evangelical Christian, during this season, what are the holidays that you're going to celebrate? You're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, you're going to celebrate Christmas, and you're also going to celebrate the New Year's. So that's three holidays within a relatively close period of time. So what's wrong with saying happy holidays? Even amongst themselves, you know? I mean, I understand the day of, if it's Christmas, if you know that somebody else is celebrating Christmas, say, Merry Christmas. That's perfectly fine. But you never know who you're going to meet. You don't know what their faith background is nope. or what their beliefs are. Yeah. That's you know? why I always say when I, you know, if, you know, I'm a, you know, when I'm in a good mood around this time, yeah, I just tell everybody, hey, you have a good holiday. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I tell you, you have a good holiday. Yep. I don't say Merry Christmas or nothing like that. I just say you have a good holiday. That's and when people keep saying Merry Christmas, I keep saying you have a good holiday too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just come back. To like I, I just come back with them same to you too. You know, I, you know, I try to show people respect. You know, mm-hmm. you know, leave real hard in it. And, you know, do your thing, but I'm still gonna tell you have a nice holiday or happy holidays to you. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me personally. <laughs> nope, I am 100 percent behind you, sir. <laughs> And uh, speaking of the secular traditions in Christmas, uh, it's this is a cool night because we get to step outside of the political mold, as I said earlier, and we also get to step outside of the South. And there is a very cool tradition in Iceland. Uh, it's a secular tradition that they have been doing for a while now for Christmas. And since Janet Lee is our native Scandinavian, and I believe Iceland is a part of the greater scandinavia region if i'm wrong i apologize profusely uh but (laughs) perhaps janet can confirm or deny that but in either scenario uh janet please bring us that wonderful story i'm not sure i'm assuming they are because it's cold i just kind of figure anything up there yeah (laughs) exactly is is where my fellow ancestors came from (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was this great blog I thought was so cool, and um, it talked about what the secular tradition is at Christmas. And actually, everybody, not everybody, but most everybody in Iceland does this, and they call it a secular tradition. And they said that it starts out with a publication of a catalog, I cannot say the name, And it lists all the books that are available for purchase in Iceland during the Christmas season. Because at Christmas, everybody gets at least one book for Christmas. So approximately the 80 to 90% of the books that are published in Iceland come out at the Christmas season. So, so many books are sold during that time of the year. It's referred to as the Christmas book flood. I cannot say it. Whatever that word is, buku jaka, jola boka flu. That's it doesn't even come close to any kind of a Scandinavian or Swedish word that I've ever heard. But anyway, uh, that word sounds, you know, jola uh, boka flu. That sounds like some kind of, you know, sickness or something. I'm not trying to understand that. <laughs> or, or a Mary Poppins term. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> but it is so cool because they all sit down for a formal meal on Christmas Eve and listen to Mass on the radio 
at six, six o'clock, even if you're not religion, religious, they just do that for the holiday to start of the preparations. When the meal is over and cleaned up, the gifts, they get their distribution of gifts and it's normally book distribution. And when everybody's gotten their book, it's common for freshly clean sheets on your bed in your new jammies, you crawl into bed and read late into the night. Isn't that kind of cool? That's so, really cool, yeah. Yeah. And then um, they have a, a saying that says, oh, Lord, ad ganga med bok i magnum. It's a belief that all Icelanders <laughs> have a story to tell or to publish. <laughs> Currently, one in ten of Icelanders publish a book. There are 3.5 books published for every 1,000 people in the country. Wow. Can you believe that? That's amazing. Mm. 50% of the Icelanders read more than eight books in a year. And between 78 and 2014 in the United States, only 15 to 17% of Americans read between six and 10 a year. And that's by the Pew Research Internet Project. Then they said, well, how come you, do they think that? And they think that, why do they do that? And they think the tradition is because of storytelling. And that I can understand. Um, they lived in small, isolated villages, entertained themselves by telling stories. And there was the sagas and the eddas. And they believe the reading is a pastime for getting through the long, dark winters. Everybody's surrounded by readers. And when you see your grandparents, parents, aunts, and uncles reading, it normalizes the behavior. So that I can see. I mean, even my parents um, and grandparents, that's what they always did. We always got the books mm-hmm. uh, and stuff for Christmas. So, And they always had these long stories. I mean, I remember hearing about Thor and all of those types of things before I heard or I remember even Santa Claus or whatever. Yeah. But I heard of a different kind of Santa Claus than the one. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that you did. <laughs> but, but yeah, something really something like that is just so phenomenal, you know, just looking at those numbers from the United States, unfortunately, that's not terribly surprising. You know, we have a big issue with illiteracy in this country. Um, I would love to see the numbers on literacy in Iceland. I'm, I would imagine it's fairly high considering this tradition and the fact that there are so many books published by native Icelanders. Um, but yeah, you know, if we could get something like that going here, I'm sure you as a former educator, Janet, could really appreciate something like that. That's one of the reasons the story caught my eye. There you and go. I think it's so cool. And I and that's the kind of household I grew up in. My grandma read every night before she went to bed. I did too. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way through school. And we got books for Christmas. Always. So, you know, you'd go and sit or if you get bored, then um, you'd pick up your book and you'd start reading and you weren't bored anymore. And Snork says books are important in Iceland because uh, before computers, it could get boring there. He said their language is closer to Danish. Ah, okay. So um, saying Iceland is 
an understatement is extremely understating how isolated it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know it's way up Stark there. Stark is saying it's very, very isolated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually reading uh, just by coincidence. Uh, well, I wasn't reading. I was going through YouTube videos. I have an addiction to YouTube. But it was uh, stating the top 10 places to be if World War Three were ever to break out. And Iceland was one of them because it's that isolated. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty far up there. They don't have a lot of uh don't have to share any borders with anybody. They're not close to any major capitals. So, yeah, I can definitely see how that kind of tradition sort of got yeah. going there and has Just maintained cold. itself. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's, it's very, very cold. cold. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I will I'm keep a hermit like me, I can I can stay there for a few months. Ooh, Lord. I, I can't bear the weather though, you know. I got to be inside. Yeah. The fireplace or something. I, I, I Maybe think every I'll, now and then have me a little dog or something running around with me out in the snow playing with him in the snow or something. You know. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> I, I think I'll I think I'll stick with the South. I'm a, I'm a wimp when it comes <laughs> to the cold. The South, no, I, I never <laughs> I never leave you know leave home for good, but you know I go down on vacation or something. There you go. All right, so we have discussed the secular traditions behind Christmas, and now we are going to get into uh, some religious stories about Christmas. And how it's celebrated as a uh, proper Christian holiday. Uh, we will, of course, get into the fact that it was borrowed from from other religions later. But as for now, I'm going to go ahead and start the background music, as I promise. I'm excited about this because we've never done anything like this on the show before. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to let Janet have this one, too, because uh, this is a song that is near and dear to her heart for a reason that hopefully she will express to all of you. So, Janet, have at it. All right. I got to go and sing. I was one of uh, 50 people picked from the United States to go sing in Switzerland. And um, there was 100 choir members from all over the world that got to sing this. And I was picked one of four second sopranos. I would barely maybe make the baritone at this point. But then I could sing. <laughs> but... I always wondered why did the everybody stand up in the Hallelujah Chorus in that movement. And it was because King George II of England was so overcome with emotion that he stood to his feet when this chorus stood up. And when the king stands, everybody stands. So the tradition of standing for the chorus is still observed today in most live performances of the Messiah. And originally, this was an Easter offering. And it burst onto the stage of the Music Hall in Dublin in 1742, and it swelled to a record of 700. Ladies had to not wear dresses with hoops because they wanted to have more people there. Handel's superstar status was not the only draw because many came to listen to a contralto um, who was at that time getting a divorce, and that was fairly scandalous. And everybody sat and they were mesmerized. And then, of course, one guy has to stand up and say, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Um, And then uh, he kept on going. And then he gets to the part where he says uh, that it was women with the sins. And he starts yelling this out into the chorus. uh, Women, for this, be all thy sins forgiven thee. And I was like... Oh. But anyway, <laughs> so, 
the guy was it was a minister of the time. And of course women got blamed, you know. Of course, as always. And mm, wow. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. But I still like this the Messiah. I think it's great. And then also and I still get kitted for it at the very end of the school year, every year for Christmas break, I mean as the bell, last bell rang, I'd open up my door and I'd turn on my boombox, full blast, to Handel's Messiah. And the kids would go by and wave. And one year I was late and I was on the phone and the kids wouldn't leave the building. And those high schoolers were pounding on my door. And the principal came in and he's like, get the music started so we can get these kids on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I made sure that I, I, I was there when that bell rang. <laughs> wow. So anyway, and um, Handel was very well loved. And Beethoven himself said that... Uh, that was the greatest composer that ever lived. So. Yes, indeed. He was quite the man. And uh, yeah, everything that he's... Oh, gosh, he has some amazing compositions. Um, I'm a violist, which is something that I don't put on the program very often, but I've had a chance to play this song before. Uh, unfortunately, unlike Janet, I was usually relegated to the second chair, but that is okay. Uh, <laughs> was, what were you... What, what did you uh, play? Viola. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was fun playing. It was fun playing viola. I enjoyed it. It was a good good part of my childhood. I haven't played I haven't picked it up in a while. I need to do that again. But uh perhaps I will. Maybe I'll record something for Indie Media Weekly or for the show. That would be fun. Awesome. And they were saying too that if you don't play the Handel's Messiah at the very end, repeat it. Mm-hmm. The last thing that you do, that a lot of places will boo you. Oh really? They'll just sit there, they won't leave. Huh. So, mm. And a but. lot of the um, composers just said, woe to you if you do not play this at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat it or you're in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wow. That's super cool. All right. So this next story actually isn't terribly religious, but um, this is actually kind of a environmental story of sorts. Uh it is the benefits of using live Christmas, Hanukkah, or Yule trees. Uh, yes, there are a very small fragment of uh, those in the Jewish community that have Hanukkah trees. Uh, I will talk. Uh, I, I know that that's heresy to a lot of uh, to a lot of people of the Jewish faith, but uh, we will talk to Dana Crow about that later. So hopefully, she'll vindicate me. Um, but yeah, uh, living Christmas trees bring a feel to the holidays that artificial trees can't. Uh, that's the way that a lot of people feel. Uh, you know, there's a natural scent of fir pine. It, it's just one of those smells that you sort of, if you've celebrated Christmas or if you are a part of a holiday where you use a live tree, you know, it's just it's one of those smells that you associate with the season. Um, but live trees are a renewable resource. They're constantly replanted on these tree farms. Uh, the artificial ones, of course, are made of non-recyclable metal and petroleum-based products. Uh, so Gruber offered advice on checking the freshness of a cut tree 
which is very important when you buy one. And uh, that's that you want to make sure that the needles are fairly tight. Uh, the best thing is to just take it and bang it up and down on a nice solid piece of ground and check to see how many needles are coming off. Uh, he also added that you can kind of tell by touch, brush your hand along some of the needles, and if quite a few are dropping off, that's probably a tree you want to avoid. <coughs> Excuse me. I am so sorry about that. But yes, so uh, that's a good way to check to see if the tree that you're purchasing is fresh, uh, regardless of what holiday you're using it for. Uh, of course, uh, he also goes through some of the tips on how to care for it, um, you know, making sure that it's about half an inch off and uh, place it immediately in a tree stand full of water. Uh, check the water reservoir in the tree stand daily. Uh, they do drink up a whole lot of water. So if you have never had one before and decide to switch to those for environmental reasons, then it's always good to check up on the acceptable ways to take care of your live Christmas tree. Um, they are, of course, unfortunately a potential fire hazard, so make sure that they are well hydrated. But uh, where what comes into where it is actually good for the environment, not only because it's a replenishable resource, but also because there are a lot of spots across uh, cities in this country that have uh, tree drop-off points. And what they do with these is that they're recycled and created into mulch so a cut tree can offer a lot of gifts to wildlife for the coming year um if you decide to set it out in your yard it can become cover for birds and little mammals um you can set it up and decorate it with peanut butter covered pine cones fruit slices or sweat baskets and help provide food for birds and uh, live christmas trees can be an excellent way to discover and celebrate nature both during the holidays and for a long time to come um, and, uh, Janet, I know where you live, there are a lot of collection spots. Yeah, this came out of the, uh, Missouri Conservation Department, uh, magazine. And at, they were giving places to drop off your trees because down here, what they do is they take them to the lake and they put them in different spots and then the fish use them for, nurseries or for um, hiding spots away from predators uh, and it kind of helps fill in like certain areas so they ask for the trees you can't have any tinsel on it it has to be totally clean mm -hmm. and um, so that there's like donation spots all over of course I live right down the hill from the conservation department and then I have an artificial tree but <laughs> Otherwise, I could just march it up the hill, I guess. But and Tom, Tom says he uses his for kindling, and um, oh, that's a really also good idea. known as kindling. Yeah. yeah, you just have to be really careful. I almost burned a house down one time Christmas oh, Eve after we were done opening our presents because we were going to go out of town on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. I just started breaking up the branches and throwing it in the fireplace, and apparently, you're not supposed to do that. There's doesn't work very well yeah i had a <laughs> build up oh gosh yeah i know i know one of my uh my mom's ex-boyfriends he had a burning pit where he used to burn wire and stuff he would collect to get the copper and go sell it but he took a live christmas tree one year and set it ablaze and it was amazing how quick those things go up 
Oh, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Seconds. That's all it takes. Mm. Yeah, and Tom so. said creosote is an issue with pine trees. And I learned that that year. My ex came running in. He had gone and was loading up the car and stuff, trying to get stuff going for the next day. And he's like, did you put our tree in that fireplace? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Don't do that no more. He was flipping out, grabbing a hose, and I'm like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and outside, and it was like the Fourth of July. Oh gosh! Oh, wow. <laughs> so I wouldn't advise that if I were you. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, only only if you're uh, very just responsible. Cut it up in little pieces with a chainsaw. Off. That's it. You know, yeah. Cut up in small take, pieces with things. Yeah. Yes. Take the needles off first. Just, yeah. just the wood part. Definitely take the needles off. Do it the Tom way. Yes, that would yes. be <laughs> that would be the responsible way to do it. <laughs> hey, you have to learn, don't you? <laughs> uh, this is very true. Absolutely. Whoa. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right, folks, we are going to go ahead and head to our very first break of the evening. And on this break, we have uh, Macaroni Bradford's The War on the War on Christmas. So that will get our major Christmas songs started or holiday songs started for the evening. We will be back with you here on Southern Progressive Revival with Joey Word's Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future. Because even though it's a holiday special, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Thanks. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country. So we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Now you know somebody's people claim the 
do the Lord's work. Even though it's just the second time this year they been to church. The first time was on Easter, yeah, they got all suited up. All up in their Sunday best to pretend they give a fuck. Like they really give a fuck. Like they believe what they say. Man, they'll take the whites away. Even on a holiday. In the land of the free. In the home of the brave. Where if you don't have a Christmas tree, then you need to be saved. Then you need to be saved And to my Jewish homies We will do you the same way The holidays decay These kids are spoiled rotten It'll take a year to play with all the toys That Santa brought them While other people struggle Trying to put food in their mouth I really hope you don't forget What Christmas is about Whatever holiday you celebrate Sisters and brothers Don't forget that you're supposed to show Some love to one another the war on the war on Christmas. I bet Bill O'Reilly will not put me on his death list. I bet Fox News gonna report all the drama. Christmas has been ruined. Blame it on Obama. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Welcome to the war on the war on Christmas. Merry Christmas! Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature, every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. <laughs> Happy Holidays from Janet Lee and all of us at Southern Progressive Revival. You can find us every Sunday on Indie Media Weekly. into Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws. We pay our taxes. We fly our flags on holidays. And we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of our first hour here on Southern Progressive Revival for our holiday super special. I hope that you're all enjoying it so far. We are trying to do the best that we can, but we are learning as we're going, and I hope that it ends up being a phenomenal show. I have enjoyed it so far. Uh, but of course, this show would not be possible without my co-host, so I would like to welcome back to the program Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, sir. Hey, guys. Hello, everyone in the chat room. Hello, everyone listening. Happy Holidays. Yes, indeed. Happy holidays. And last but not least, our very own Ms. Producer, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hi, everybody. Happy holidays. Yes, happy I holidays. I would try that that uh, 
Chris McQuanza, Denza, whatever, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I mess up English. I'm not going to try to go outside my little tiny box. Hey, no, that is perfectly fine, ma'am. The The only one I've memorized is Chris Mahana Kwanzuka, but... Yeah, the one he's used, I'm not familiar with, but I'm going to have to memorize that. And maybe we'll have that ready for next year. Ha ha. But, um, (laughs) 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 but since it is the bottom of the first hour, that means that it is time to turn everything over to Mr. Joey Word for Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future. So let me go ahead and cue up that jingle for you, sir. Voices of our black past, present, and future with Joey Word. We have come here from the dusty plantations of the deep south. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas. It was the 31st of August of 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles the county courthouse in Indianola to try to register to become first-class citizens. I've had a number of threatening calls, people calling me saying they were going to kill me. My mother explained racism and segregation to me. And what she said, and I'll never forget this, she said, this is not the way things are supposed to be. This might be the way they are now, but they are not supposed to be this way. All right, Mr. Word, you take it away. I've got your audio queued up, so whenever you want that, let me know. All right, man. Uh, this Shiro of the week, her name is Dr. Dorothy Height. She was born on uh, March 24th, 1912 in Richmond, Virginia, an African-American activist. Yeah, she was an activist. Yeah, a good one, too. And Dorothy Height spent her life, her life fighting for civil rights and her women's rights. The daughter of a building contractor and a nurse, she moved with her family to Rankin, Pennsylvania in her youth. There, she attended racially integrated schools. In high school, she showed great talent as an orator. She also became socially and politically active, participating in anti-lynching campaigns. Her skills as a speaker took her all the way to national oratory competition. I'm sorry. (laughs) Winning the event that she awarded a college scholarship. She had applied to and been accepted to Bernard College in New York. But as the start of school neared, the college changed its mind about her admittance, telling her, that they had already met her quota for black students. She applied to uh, New York University where she would uh, earn two degrees, a bachelor's degree in education in 1930 and a master's degree in physiology in 1932. But, you know, she was a a tireless activist. After working for her time as a social worker, She joined the the staff of the Harlem MWCA, the YWCA, I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell I said. The YWCA in 1937. She had a life-changing encounter not long after starting work there. She met educator and and founder of uh, National Council of Negro Women, Mary McLeod Bertoon. 
when Bertoon and U.S. Uh, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt came to visit her facility, she soon volunteered with the NCNW and became <clears throat> close to Maglio. Uh, one of her major accomplishments at the YWCA was directing the interrogation of all of its centers in 1946. She also established its Center for Racial Justice in 1965, which she ran until 1977. In 1957, she became president of the National Councils of Negro Women. Through, through the center and the council, she became one of, one of the leading figures in the civil rights movement. She worked with Martin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Philip Randolph, Roy Wilkins, uh, Whitney Young, John Lewis, James Farmer, sometimes called the Big Six in the civil rights movement. In 1963, she was one of the organizers of a of, of famed march on Washington. She stood close to Dr. King when uh, delivered his I Have a Dream speech. Despite her skills and a speaker of a leader height, you know, a leader, she was not invited to talk that day. She later wrote the March on Washington event had became eye-opening experience on her. Her, her male counterparts were, you know, were, were happy to include women in the human family, but what but when, but there was no question as to who headed the household. According, you know, uh, she joined in the fight for women's rights in 1971. She helped found the National Women's Political Caucus with Gloria Ste uh, Steinem, Betty Frieden, and Shirley Chisholm. And I know that name sounds familiar to some of you, you know you guys, because I did something on her, Shirley Chisholm. While she, re while she uh, retired from the uh, YWCA in 1977, she continued to run the NCNW for two <clears throat> more decades. One of, her, one of her later projects was focused on strengthening the African-American family in 1986. She organized the first black family reunion, a celebration of traditions and values. The event is still held annually. Let's see. Uh, she uh, uh she she received many honors for her contributions to society. In 1994, President Bill Clinton awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She stepped down from the presidency of the NCNW in the late 90s, but re re remained the organization's chair of board until her death in 2010. In 2002, she turned to she turned 90 years old. You know, into uh, you know, celebrating into the fundraiser for the NCNW. Oprah Winfrey and Don King were amongst the, the celebrities who contributed into the event. In 2004, George W. Bush gave Height the Congressional Golden Medal. She later uh, befriended the first uh, African American president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> Who called her the grand, the godmother of civil rights movement? Former First Lady Hillary Clinton was among the many who mourned the passing of the, you know, the famed champion for equality and justice. Clinton told the Washington Post, "This is what he said, and I quote: Understand the women's rights and civil rights are divisible. 
She stood up for the rights of women every chance she had. You know, like I said, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is my country. It's your country. This is our country. Let's come together and make it a better country. We, you know, we may not agree uh, at times, but, you know, we can agree to disagree with love and respect, not hate and disrespect. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, Thank Go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, um, part of what she did, too, was the kids that were jailed in Selma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to hear some clips. I, I got, uh, Jonathan got two clips of that, and I like to hear those. You know, I kind of got into it. You know, I meant to tell you in the middle of me talking, but <laughs> <laughs> I would like you guys to hear her voice and what she said. That was my like, gentle reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I'm no. still trying to get the hang of this, guys. You know that. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. Great job. It's You're just that you know, I, wanted... I, like, I want everyone that, you know, in the chat room and everyone's listening to hear what she said. Yes, absolutely. Cut and... one. Go. Okay, I'm playing cut one. <laughs> Dr. Farabee and I were there in Selma long before the Selma March. We went down at the time that Frathia Wynn and... Uh, James Foreman called us and said, 300 children are in jail here, and nobody knows where they are. We need some outside voice that will come in and help us to get that story out. And we got there just as the 300 children were released from jail, and some of their pictures looked like the children in Cambodia because they were bare bones. They had been denied food and services. And when we asked them, what have you been having? One little boy said, we've been eating bold weevil gravy. And when I looked at some of the children and I said to them, you say so many bad things about people here. Don't you think there are some good white people? And the little boy who had said the most looked up and he said, he looked at Dr. Farabee and me and he said, well, There must be some. (laughs) But you know, it was a driving thing to think that you live in a country where a child of one race would say, there must be somebody of the other race who's decent. Mm. I mean, that was awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. And my sister Joe says, thanks to the shout out. Uh, for Mrs. Height, Joey, as a social worker, I'm familiar with her. She's a rock star in the profession. And then as it was playing, she wrote down Goosebumps. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Sister Joe. Love you, baby. Thank you. <laughs> I told so him much. that you would love this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, that, oh gosh, yeah, that, I mean, that that audio is, it. it is awesome. And the literal definition of the word awesome because when you think about what those children went through, what she went down there to Selma and saw, the fact that they had been eating bull weevil gravy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just made me want to cry. It's so sad. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, there there we I there are probably people listening to the program right now who are alive when that happened. Mm-hmm. And Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't pointing you All out, right. Jenna. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know, it, you know, and 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 what the little boy said, you know, do, do you think that there are some good white people? And he said, "Well, there, 
there must be somewhere. You know, that that is really powerful. Really powerful stuff. Yeah, it is. It really is. And this woman, she's got a, a sweet face on. She looked like one of those grandmother. you know what I'm saying? Y'all kids, come on in here and get y'all something to eat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just come on to church or something, you know, and then cook up a big meal, you know. Mm. That's what she, she looked like. Sweet That's what I'm, she got a sweet face, yeah. Yeah, but she had a rod up her back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was one strong woman. You mm-hmm. know, she didn't, she might bend a little bit, but she didn't break. Yeah. And um, I knew her because the feminist movement more mm-hmm. than, I mean, and <clears throat> I remember her seeing her, excuse me for a second. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing her uh, and thinking, it was so awesome to see her with all these women and being on TV and saying, you can do this, you know, you can be this woman, you can work, you can do blah, blah, blah. Because she was with Gloria Steinem mm-hmm. a lot. But I mean, I'm, I'm segueing, I guess, away from the Selma, but she, you know, she was with Martin Luther King. She was with all these very famous people. Mm-hmm. But still. You know, one of the things, too, that I thought of is you hardly ever saw her until later on in her life Mm -hmm. alone. It always took other really famous white people, you know, to get her on stage or to get her voice in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted to bring her to light. That's what interested me, you know, about her. You know, she she was a phenomenal woman. But she didn't get recognized like she's supposed to be recognized. So I, mm-hmm. I wanted to do her tonight, you know. So, And I'm glad you did. She's definitely Thanks. someone that deserves to be recognized. Yeah, and she deserves every bit of it. Absolutely. And uh, on, on the vein of what Janet was talking about, we do have a second audio clip about sure. uh, women's unity from Dorothy Hyde again. So let's okay. go ahead and play that. Now. All right. We went to Atlanta and brought together representatives young women who had been the victims of law enforcement officers in the jails. We heard them tell about the vaginal searches by orderlies who dipped their gloves in Lysol. We heard them tell about how they band together so that they would not be raped by the officers all around them. And we found ourselves, little by little, pulling together all our forces to say, what is there we can do? And I remember the meeting that we had in Atlanta when we were talking about this because we brought together white women's groups also that they might know what was happening as well. And I'll never forget, we called it the Women's Interorganizational Committee because we didn't know what to call it. We didn't want to say it was a civil rights meeting. And when the meeting was over, one of the women said, well, you know, the initials of what we call is WIC. And if it means that if each one of us, no matter whether we are black or white, should go back into her community and be like a wick, lighted, that could be that little bit of light that could make a difference. Yes, absolutely. And we have our very own wick on this program, of course, in Ms. Janet yes, Lee. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> My girl. <laughs> My home girl. Yeah. 
She's a fighter, boy. She's uh, fighting for them women's rights, man. I give you props with that, baby. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. Fighter, First, boy. I want my sister said, love you back, Joey. But um, <laughs> <laughs> women were not recognized, as Joe says, in many movements at that time, and frustration ensued. So the movement was a rule that women and mean, men needed par- parity in speech. One man spoke, then a woman. Men couldn't speak before a woman spoke. It took a while. Um, And one of the things that I was kind of getting to with her was sitting there seeing her on TV thinking, this is so awesome. We're getting there. Women are coming. Because I remember feeling so frustrated when I was younger um, about how unfair things were between men and women. And I'm, I'm feeling that again very which I've mean, that's never really left me, but it's getting more and more like it was when I was in high school or younger, and um, the frustration. And with Dorothy Height and seeing her with um, all of these people and Gloria Steinem, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. Gloria talked to the white women, and Dorothea talked to everybody. You know, it didn't matter what your social economic, you know, was. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I just, I really loved her. She was like one of my heroes um, when I was younger. And um, I just, I really thought she rocked it. She was just a rock star in her own right. So, and she just kept it moving and kept kept fighting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I, you know, Brought brought her to your attention again. You know, that was cool as hell. Because you know? I Absolutely. didn't know she was like an idol of yours. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, I just had a feeling I needed to do her tonight. So <laughs> I did it. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Check with you guys and everything. And shoot, you loved it. And everybody else loved it. So, it's a win-win. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and we do like win-wins on this show. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. And uh, something that I sort of wanted to mention, and I know that, uh, you know, I said at the top of the show that it was kind of cool because we got to stray away from Southern politics a little bit tonight, but um, both of those clips came from the same speech. It was a long speech. I wanted to play the whole thing, but it's just so long that, you know, either uh, it would have driven away. You did did a good job, man, because, you know, you picked out the right ones, man. You know, that was cool. That was right on time, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate thank you for that. that. Thank you for that, man. No, it's my pleasure. Um, but there was something else that she said later on, uh, sort of going back to the Southern thing. And that was that within the Wix program, uh, when they started to bring in Northern women to help with the cause, um, there were some people from the South who said that they didn't want them there, that they didn't want the Yankees to help. And Ms. Height was the woman that stood up to them and just asked them the simple question, what does it hurt to have them help? And because of that, she bridged the divide between the plights of the women from the North and the South, because while the issues of racism in the North were slightly better, I'm not going to say that they were great. I think Mm -hmm. that time has told and time continues to tell that no longer where you live in this country, there is still systemic racism and prejudice. Um, But the plight of women is something that's universal across this country and across so many other countries of the world. And the fact that she was able to bridge that and she was able to show Southern women that Northern women share in their struggle, I think was incredibly admirable. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it really took somebody like her, somebody like Northry Hyde, somebody that could speak so well, somebody who was so powerful, who was a tireless warrior, to be able to do something like that. And that's a very admirable legacy that she has. Yeah. And another thing that um, Joe brought up, which I had forgotten, was that the women of the civil rights movement had to make a choice between being in the civil rights movement and the women's movement. And to me, they were one and the same. Yeah. But mm-hmm. she tried to make that connection and get them to understand it was. And But many uh, black women were frustrated with the white women not getting the black woman situation, and it created a chasm. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, I don't, I have never heard of being, yes, white women were raped, but I don't remember hearing anything about the lie, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like the black women, the abuse was ten times more. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, white women were abused, don't get me wrong, but not like black women were. They They ended up you know, getting a whole lot more thrown on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And um, many black women felt that the women's movement was less important. Mm-hmm. And I can see where they, why they felt that way. Mm-hmm. But it really was together. It should, you know, it's too bad it didn't stay one movement. Mm, yeah. But, yeah. And like so race. Like the movement's out, going on but, today, like yeah. the, you know, the movement's going on today, like with the Black Lives Matter thing and the uh, gay community thing and uh, the the Mexican, you know, the Latinos, Latinas, you know, community. We're all in the same little boat, man, and we got to realize that, that we all got the same struggles. Absolutely. And we need to come together and fight instead of separating ourselves and, you know, you getting what you want and leaving the other people alone type deal. Mm-hmm. We got to stick together. You know, if you get what you want, you help the others get what they want too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I see some of the things that's happening, like it's not going that well now. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and like Joe said, that racism trumped it, trumped it out, you know, trumped the situation. So it created the identity politics. Mm-hmm. So she said, we got to get past identity politics. Yes, Joey. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Joe. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, we are going to go ahead and go to a short break. Uh, when we get back, we are going to have Dana Crow on the program for half an hour. And she is going to be discussing Hanukkah with us. So we look forward to that conversation. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, Joey, thank you so much. And we will be right it's back my here pleasure, with you. Guys. Oh, my yes. Thank you. And uh, we will be right back here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done, we know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Cormall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new? Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. Be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to IndieMediaWeekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. Come walk with me, Michael Ash Sharball, through the broken doorway. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on IndieMediaWeekly.com. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show. Every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndieMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for The Night Show. Join the chat and submit your requests every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com for those who dare. This is Joey KBD Word from Southern Progressive Revival, and I would like to say happy holidays from all of us at Indie Media Weekly Radio. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody. This is your host, Jonathan Matthews, reporting live from Richmond, Kentucky, and I would like to welcome you all back to the program, unless, of course, you're just tuning in, in which case, welcome. We have already been through Christmas as a secular and religious holiday. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future with Joey Word on Ms. Dorothy Height. So if you missed that, I do encourage you to listen to the podcast. It was a phenomenal segment. And as is always my pleasure, before we get Dana Crow on the line, I would like to welcome back to the program Mr. Joey Word, the man of the last half hour and every hour from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, sir. Hey, guys. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. She yes. was a good woman. Absolutely. And last but not least, our very own Ms. producer, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, Janet. And happy holiday, holidays to everybody. 
Yes, happy, happy holidays. This is our holiday theme show, so I need to start saying that more often. But uh, we're going to go. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't even say it. Uh, me too, I need to start saying it too. I uh, know, we are lax, Joey. It is okay, though. We'll, we'll come together by the end of this. But <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get Ms. Crow on the line so that we can discuss some Hanukkah. Yeah, and I'm sorry, it was happy Christmas, Kwanzaa. Hello, Dana. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Oh, no, I'm totally excited. Oh, we are excited to have you. And, uh, of course, I also have, I'm Jonathan, of course, and uh, also Hi, here is, hello there. And uh, also yeah, here we are. We both sick last time. What yes. That, right? <laughs> so, go figure. Yep. <laughs> we are synchronized, and uh, I'm, I'm having quite the drainage tonight, but I'm, I'm managing. I'm pushing through, so that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> struggle is real it is it's absolutely yeah. real <laughs> and uh of course here on the program with us is uh ms janet lee and mr joey word hi dana hi, dana. hi joey hi janet hello how's it going it's good i'm so glad you're on thank you no i'm happy to do it yeah cool all right happy to do it. so i'm gonna go ahead and cue a little bit of background music here which is uh, the dreadle song in Hebrew, which we'll be playing very quietly so that you can be heard. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming I know any Hebrew. <laughs> I don't either. I, you know, I wasn't. I mean, I was. I wasn't bought mitzvah because my parents got divorced. So my dad. That's all right. Uh, my dad basically just said, you know, fuck you. Oh, can I say that? Okay. Yeah, that's perfectly yeah. fine. Oh, okay. yeah. You're you're our guest, so you're more than welcome to use any obscenities you would like, ma'am. Just you know, it didn't matter anymore. So yeah, I got gypped. I guess. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh gosh, but of course we have you on the program tonight on our holiday special. Uh, So once again, thank you so much for that. Um, But we have been. as a part of our program since the very beginning, but trying to educate people as much as we can about other religions, uh, cultures, things like that. Uh, yeah. So I would like to open the floor to you to say whatever you would like to about Hanukkah. Um, okay, well, I mean, does everyone know it's the Festival of Lights? I mean, we all know this. Yes, ma'am. They said it would burn one day, it burned eight. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you can do all that or... You know, to me, it's less of a religion and more tradition. Mm. Yeah. You know, making my grandma's laka, laka recipe or moon cookies or whatever, you know, something like that. Uh, it's more about the tradition than religion, than any God. In my opinion, in my, you know, that's the way I look at it. You know, I have very, I have friends who are very, very conservative Jew. They wear wigs. You know, it's not my bag, but whatever. That's, you know. Fun. Yeah. And each night when they light, I know the one candle is a lot taller than the others. Yeah, and that's the shamas. light. Yeah. What it, how do you say that? Shamas. shamas? Yeah. Okay. And that's to light the other candles that yes. represent the oil? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then there's a different prayer for each candle. No, don't ask me what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah (laughs) so yeah you know it's tradition it's more tradition to me Mm -hmm. 
And that's one of the things that I think I've always appreciated about the Jewish culture is that it is it's it's a traditional thing, it's a cultural yeah. thing. I've I've met a lot of Jews that are atheists and that's perfectly acceptable because uh Me. the Jew, yeah. Jewish people at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, like like yourself, um yeah. who uh you know, at the end of the day it's it's about community, it's about identity. Yes. It's about yes. culture. Um, yes. And you're accepted and you're a part of that community yes. regardless. Yes. So yes. I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. When I moved to New Jersey, um, we moved into a very Jewish neighborhood in Rockaway. Um, my husband was working in Morristown. And it was super, super Jewish. I mean, not only was there a uh, White Meadow Lake was the neighborhood. There was, a, there was that temple. And then there was a Bod that is super, super, like, hardcore the Chabad rabbi, and I preferred him to the other, uh, you know, 16 kids and counting or whatever. It was like, ugh, yeah, crazy, crazy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there's extremists on both sides. So I'm not down with all that. But again, you know, whatever floats, whatever does it for them, that's fine. You know, so I made friends very easily and everybody was so nice. And it was community when somebody had, you know, one of our best friends died of cancer. She was 43. She had a four-year-old. All our kids kids went to school together, temple together, everything. And, uh, you know, everybody arranged who was going to bring a meal by. You know, if somebody had a baby or somebody was, parent was sick, whatever it was, you know just a few phone calls and you've got the food ordered. And so it was, I miss that. I miss that. I mean, we, we pretty much had to move cause we couldn't afford it. I don't know if anyone's ever lived there, but it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. so. Is that kind of, is that the Shiva where they uh, bring food and stuff in for a week? Well, that's when somebody dies. Right. That's when somebody passes away. Uh, the family sits Shiva. So they right. don't go anywhere, you know, it, again, it can, you know, can be as lax as not doing it at all to, you know, all the way, which is no electricity, no car, no phone. Oh, wow. Nothing yeah. for a week. Cover all the mirrors. Yes, and, cover yeah. all the mirrors. I mean, so <laughs> again, you know, there's middle, but yeah, the community part was great. I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. My son-in-law's grandpa just died a couple, three weeks ago, and they did Shiva, but they had the electricity and stuff. They just, Yeah, I mean, again, there's... But they some, didn't leave the house. You know, they, some people don't do it at all, and then some people go all the way, <laughs> and then yeah. there's every, every in-between, you know? So, yeah, you can do it however you want to do it. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. And... Hanukkah wasn't isn't really the big holiday, right? Uh, it's pretty big. I mean, it's it pretty big, I think. Yeah, I, I think because it's eight nights and, you know, I just, yeah. It's, but no, no. I mean, if, if you're, you know, a person, and I did go to Templemore when I was living in that neighborhood just because all my friends did. And like I said, I found the Chabad rabbis so interesting, you know, even though they, you know, all they were, their wives are basically receptacles. Sorry to be so blunt, but you know, well, yeah. but, and you I gotta... can't, so I can't even believe I'm admitting that I preferred their praying to the other guy. He was a dick. 
So <laughs> it, was, it was an arrogant dick. And I just, you know, I think he had the hots for me probably. And he was just a jerk. So yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Men are men, aren't they? Anyway, I'm just, again, you know, there's no, like. It, you know, we were just talking about Dorothea Height and the women's uh, movement. Yes. And so you saying that women being receptacles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's men. I well, mean, no, she's not all men. I don't she's mean pregnant that. with her sixteenth baby, and this was like God, eight, honey, eight years ago. I don't know where it is. Okay, uh, yeah, no, we left a long time ago, and uh, she was on number sixteen, and she broke her foot just by, um, you know, stepping the wrong way because her bones were so frail from having sixteen oh. kids, and the doctor told them to, you know stop but i'm sure they didn't so yeah she she my wasn't grandma. yeah she wasn't my grandma you know, the sad thing to me was that you know the babies raised the kids and you know yeah. those, like the duggers i mean look yeah it, that's what's saying it's no the same better. to me it's no better <laughs> yeah. that's the other extreme though that yeah, you know yeah. I mean, I don't know about, I doubt there's the pedophilia. I mean, I know that there are rabbis that are pedophiles. I just don't know the stats on, you know, families. Right, right. You know, homeschool and all that. I, I don't know. Well, see, and my grandma, instead of the receptacle, she used to say, oh, men just think of women as brood mares. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what she yes. used to tell me. That, that is excellent. <laughs> I know. I mean, receptacle is all I can think of because that's, you know, they're constantly pregnant one after another. So it's just, yeah. So I, I just, I'm still one of those people, to be honest, that um, because of the Holocaust, I just don't believe in God. That's it. It's just that simple. And then I could go on with more, of course, 9-11 and all what slavery and <laughs> You know, yeah. I'll pay back, you know, Indians and whatever. I mean, everybody, you know, uh, I just, I, who would do that? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, I can completely understand that yeah, sentiment. I can't Absolutely. get past it. I can't, you know, I'm like a mm. dog with a bone. I can't let it go. Mm-hmm. And I just gave up, like, you know, but I do, I do think that there's something in the universe, you know, like that may make me meet Janet, you know, or, and Kenny, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I just think there's something out there. I'm just not necessarily sure that it's just one dude, you know, Mm. (laughs) I think it's a she exactly or she she is walking (laughs) (laughs) and i do want to do it i think i want to do a disclaimer dana and i are not saying that all men are no no, 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 i was i was just i was talking about hasidic jews yeah right you know that just take it a little too far but, yeah but and i was only talking about my grandmother who 40 or 50 years ago did believe that of all men but <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the the hasidics are a, are a fun crowd I, I actually almost converted to uh conservative judaism when oh, really? I, yeah when i was in my early 20s what? and i i started going through for for my fiance at the time uh but i started going through conversion catholic? Huh? were you catholic christian uh, it, 
my okay. views have evolved a little bit. At the time, I was an atheist. Now I am okay. a uh, unconventional Christian. I think that everybody goes to heaven, but uh, a conversation for another time. No, 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 right. <laughs> but uh, what I was going to, uh, but anyway, I, I stopped the whole conversion process as soon as I learned that despite the fact that I'm circumcised, they still want to draw blood, and that wasn't cool with me. So, um, <laughs> but, um, well, everybody has their limits. Yes, know? absolutely. <laughs> But uh, what I was going to bring up is, you know, the 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 whole, you know, whether you call them receptacles or broodmares, I don't understand it. And just since you guys brought that up, I'm I'm the father of a precious nine month old boy who I oh. love with all of my heart. That is the best age. Yes. You know what? Talk to me in a month. Talk to me a month and tell me that is not the best age. They can't talk. They can't walk. And they're happy. <laughs> they're pigs and shit for like a month they are i don't get it <laughs> you know i've got pictures of him at nine months and he's like a model this mm. child you know so cute. yeah Aww. so yeah you're yeah yeah it's yeah. a it's a tremendously fun age and i love it but these men that like their women to have all these children, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't understand it because and they I, do nothing to raise them. Yeah, nothing. I, nothing. I mean, women are like, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe even, you can't even touch them. <laughs> exactly, you're not allowed to touch them. Which I'm super touchy, so it took me mm. some time, and they were very cool about it. That's the thing; they drink too. Oh, yeah. You go to a, go to your local Habad one Saturday and stay after and you can do shots. <laughs> yeah, with the rabbi. Very nice. Yeah, and you can touch them. So. Wow. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I, I guess that that is what it is, is that these, these men that want to have so many children just don't take any part in their children's yeah. lives because... And Catholics do it too. It's, yeah. It's, it's just grotesque. <laughs> just have absolutely no self-worth you know they find just the women who have you know they they cherry pick their swag so Mm -hmm. to speak absolutely yeah yeah it's uh, it's really bizarre i mean I, i i guess because i'm a part of my child's life i really don't want to have any more children so yeah yeah i'm i'm done my my son is my is, is my son shine but yeah. you change your mind or you know what <laughs> wife gets pregnant whatever is gonna be it's gonna be that's the thing i mean this is true you know so <laughs> this you, is very so true you, you know never you probably shouldn't say that because then if you do decide you want more then you're gonna have fertility issues and all that you know this so is true well with it you know i'm good with one right now but you know Yep. The possibility is open. Yep. Never say never, as they say. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now snorkel- you're sorry you had me on because I talk a lot. I mean, no. No, you're the kind of guest we love. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Snork wanted to know about. He said, "Rewind it to the cookie part. What kind of cookie were you oh, talking moon about?" Cookies. What? Moon, moon cookies. Moon? moon. Yeah, I think it's M U N N. Just Google moon cookies. Moon cookies. Yeah. Are they fried? And mundel bread. 
uh, M-U-N-D-L-E bread, two words, Mundo bread. Wow. Are they fried? So good. Yeah, so good. No, they're not fried. No. Darn. I know. <laughs> See, that's what I... You know what? It's, it's one part of y'all delicacy that I do not like is a bribery. <laughs> I hate bribery. You hate bribery? Really? Oh, no. God, I don't like <laughs> Oh man, That's I can't. I can't eat it. I can't eat it. I can't. I swear. I can't. Try <laughs> Swedish rye it. bread. It's it's a lighter rye. I love yeah. it. I I love rye bread. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. I eat the bread with all the nuts in it. Ugh, you know it's like. <laughs> yep. A squirrel threw up in there. Yep. I, <laughs> I love. Oh gosh, I I got to try so many awesome things when I was engaged to a Jewish girl. Uh. <laughs> rye bread is awesome which is something you don't have a lot in the south um <laughs> uh bagels and locks oh god oh yeah. yes they are so good uh latkes so oh, so good yeah. oh yeah. yeah and you know i don't i don't understand the jewish southern disconnect because a latka is the perfect fried food you know i'm just gonna throw that out there no i know <laughs> otherwise known as potato pancakes to the goyim yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they call them. They order them like that. I just shrill. You know, it's like, oh, God. No. <laughs> well, as soon as he said potato pancake, then I knew what he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. Laka? <laughs> to be, give you guys a, a, a Hebrew or Yiddish word every day. There you go. Oh, and one, <laughs> oh, one last tradition, though. My grandparents, when they would fight, uh, they would fight in Russian, Hebrew, and Yiddish. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so, amazing. Oh gosh. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Skinork is typing ska whorl vomit skivers. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Question mark. I don't think so, Snork. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so did, what did you guys think of the debate? Excuse me. I didn't even watch it. You didn't? <laughs> I, I watched, I I watched did. a little bit of it. Like, I, I did. Maybe a half an hour. Mm. Is Can I say my opinion? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I thought that um, Martin O'Malley looked like he was crazy. Yeah. He kept interrupting. And they finally had to keep reminding him of the rules. His right. eyes were just like he was a wild man. Well, he but looks I like understand. getting a cold sore. Yeah. Well, do you, you think that maybe that on his lip? It was like yeah. dark. <laughs> but it looked to me like he was just half crazed. And I think part right. of it was he wanted to make sure that people noticed him, but he came off as a total jerk. Yeah, he and was then, our governor for a couple of years. He sucked and he's anti weed. Ugh douchebag yeah well and then also too he had fact check had um a lot of what he said was not <laughs> on the up and up in the orbit and, no not even close no it but he kept interrupting i mean <laughs> just How he and then, the budget yeah no no not, not so much no. sorry no and then <laughs> um and i up until then i was kind of warming up to him a little bit yeah, no. But I, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> and last night, or I was just like, 
Are you serious? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. And it was, then, yeah. It I was, thought, it was sad. Yeah. I do think that that was a class act with Bernie apologizing for the data breach. I, I don't know. I mean, that's so game show to me. You know, it's just like, God, you guys, stop hugging it out. You know, just hug it out in private. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool because. during a debate. That's weird. <laughs> but after that, they dropped it. Because what do you think? They, I don't know. I just think it's kind of weird. She but, said that she accepted it, and then she basically said, I don't give a damn about the, right. you know. Right. And so they kind of dropped it. We've worked out a deal. You know, let's just drop it. Right. You know? Yeah. And they you know, went on. he said something to her later, remember? Uh, how What a great first lady she was or something. But was yes, that pertinent but, to a question, or was he just complimenting her? I'm not sure. He could okay. be posturing. Maybe they said, what kind of first lady would your wife be? And then he complimented her. Is that how it went down? I don't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I wasn't paying attention. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. It was, it was I mean, at least, you know, it's, the, the interesting thing to me is that they have more substance and you're almost bored by the substance. Well, that they did argue quite a bit last night compared yeah, they to. Did. She got frisky. Oh, she did. Yeah. Yes, she did. She got and she really got mad at O'Malley. She did. Yeah. And so did Bernie, though. Oh, both I mean, they were yeah. both like, no, absolutely. Yeah. Would both you just get out of here? Yeah. You know, because he's like the little. <laughs> he reminded me of the high school bully. You know, yeah. the guy that's always, you're pretty, and then he pulls on your hair and shoves you <laughs> up against the locker, and and all you want to do is say, "You suck." Never in a million years will you. Uh, oh. It ain't happening, boy. Oh, right. Oh, that's so funny. And that's kind of where it got to last night. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I, I thought it was boring. And I, you know, I'm more concerned with why they don't fire Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I can't stand that woman. Amen. Maybe, no. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> understand. away from eating something you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they don't either. I just either. don't care for her. It's that hair. Mm. You know, nobody with that hair who wouldn't fix it. <laughs> Hey, in all fairness, she has to know with that Florida humidity. No, I know. (laughs) She like last night she had it kind of blown out with the big curls. And I thought, there you go, Debbie. But then this morning she was right back to the cherry curl. I was like, oh (laughs) So you kinda have to wonder, you know, somebody with that hair, sketchy. Yeah, just just listen a little bit. But I I just I just want to say my opinion on the debate. I'm I'm an ardent Bernie supporter, but I think that Hillary won it at the very end with her closing remarks. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. that was yeah. good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, see, Paul, but, you know, I agreed. I don't know, Janet, if you read Joan Walsh's article about uh, you know, shut up, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, they're handing her the election to shut up. <laughs> You know, yeah, she needs to shut up. I'm a Hillary supporter. See here, move on. You know, this did not need to happen. You right. idiot. <laughs> no, and it, it needs to be everybody's choice. I am going to vote for Bernie if he wins it. Right. But my first choice is Hillary. Right. And um, so, and like Snork said, he he thinks they need a strong VP candidate. And Paul said from Paul's Memory Bank every Thursday night. Uh, they should have fired her out of uh, 
a cannon straight to the sun the moment after the midterm results were known. <laughs> yeah, she sucks. I mean, yeah. She Stuart does. calls calling her Darth Hillary. Yeah, <laughs> no, Darth Hillary. Why? Not yeah. Darth. Hillary, I should have. No. I should have looked at that before I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I read it. I don't know. She's, she's done some a couple of stupid things, and I just don't care for her. So yeah, she's too in the tank for Hillary. I think right. I'm really upset about the Saturday night, and I'm a Hillary supporter, and I do see the unfairness of this. And also, but that's not going to make me vote for him. I'm right. just just putting that out there. Right. But um, <laughs> I. The the Saturday night debates really pissed me off because this was an online. Right. Right. And that's ridiculous. And then two, like a week before the holidays. Excuse me. Yeah. It's no, just, I get it. Just, I know. No, I know. And she says she has nothing to do with it. I mean, bullshit. Absolutely. You know, you cut off somebody's internet access to their campaign funds. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me that you don't know exactly what you're doing. Yep. She, she knows exactly what she's doing. I want Howard Dean back and our 50-state yeah. strategy back. She's nauseating. Yes. <laughs> we're going to ask her, too, before she goes about a tree. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, we, okay. we, uh, we have to go to break here in just a second and unfortunately <laughs> say our goodbyes. Okay. Uh, but I wanted vindication. Hey, Nebraska. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was Nebraska. Yep. Okay. Hey. Okay. Um, go ahead. Hello, puppy. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wanted vindication because when we were going over our uh, tree segment, uh, because the uh, indoor tree is used for a lot of holidays, I, I have I have come across many a Jew who have a Hanukkah tree. So I was wondering if you would vindicate the existence of the Hanukkah tree. Of course. We have a Christmas tree sitting in the middle of our kitchen table because Nebraska would eat our expensive ornaments. Oh. So, you have a tree? Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. You know, again, tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, well, see, he, was, my... he was a carpenter, you know, and uh, hippie Jew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, what see, my been. son-in-law is Jewish. Right. And so they don't do that. They do the menorah, Hanukkah, whatever. Right. My granddaughter came over and experienced, really understood her first Christmas this year. Right. And, um, you know, and then I have the tree. Right. So every day that she was here, all three days, she's kept coming to me, more presents, Hanukkah, right. happy Hanukkah. And right. I'm like, no, this is Christmas. You've already gone through everything. Right. Including right. everybody right. else's, by the no, way. No, it's awesome, though, you know, and it's fun. And, you know, there are holiday Jews like myself, you know, who just go to the high holidays and fast on Yom Kippur and that's it, you know, and then... You can go a step further and and do uh, Sukkot and uh, on and on and on. And Sukkot is when you eat outside for a week. Oh, wow. It's a whole nother show. Mm. So, yeah, look it up. Sukkot. Very cool. Oh, yeah. S-U-K-K-O-T. And she kept asking me for a geld, and I kept thinking... Because we were playing with her animals. No, it's and chocolate. I thought it was a yep. yeah. chocolate Gelt. coins. Oh. Yeah, Gelt. G E L T. I thought it was a goat. No, that's what you play dreidel <laughs> with, Gelt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess I know more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> You are an expert. I am very impressed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was a, pl- it was a pleasure to do it. 
Yes. She kept throwing the goat up into the tree that I kept handing her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have had this one before they came. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there's holidays with better food, too. You know, like food up, food during Passover, and especially my more conservative or Hasidic friends who have, like, freaking kosher ketchup. Oh, wow. They change all the china. <laughs> All silverware uh-huh. just for that week. Yep. Cannot and touch anything that has ever been untouched by an unclean only, thing. No, no bread for a week. Ugh. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it's the worst food too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's not my favorite holiday. <laughs> That's why I like Hanukkah because it's a big food holiday, and so is Rosh Hashanah. There you go. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Very cool. Yeah. You oh. rocked it. Thank you oh, so much for rescheduling. For kids, if you ever have a chance to take your grandkids or kids, whatever, mm. you have a nine-month-old. Purim parties are fun. Um, She's a two-year-old. What is it called? They don't. Purim, P-U-R-I-M. They don't celebrate Halloween. They don't believe in it, a lot of the conservatives. So they dress up for Purim. And it's the story of Judah Maccabee, and they have the groggers, you know, the shaker things. It's a very cool holiday. You should look it up. And it's fun because the kids get to dress up, and they have, you know, food after and dancing. It's so fun. And it's just to see another way of life, another way of belief. And that's what we're all about at this yeah. show. Yeah. I'll tell you guys what I like to do. I would like to go to a Jewish wedding because they look yeah, like they kick it. Yeah. They oh, it is yeah. so they fun. Oh, they it are is so, so fun. And you should- I just, so I got to tell you though, Dana, I thought well, my daughter was going to fall off that chair. Yeah. That scared me to oh, death. The aura, yeah. And then that, that thing where you go round and round and circle faster and faster. Yeah. I thought I was going to throw up. What is it that? Uh, uh, La Vida, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was kind of funny because the photographer um, was, you know, my family is pretty much Scandinavian. And so he's like, Swedes in the back, Jews in the front because they were so much shorter. And we were all over six foot, so it was oh, sweet. Wow. wow. <laughs> I'm not, but the guys in our family are. Right. My brother's really tall, but, and I guess I'm tall for a girl, 5'8", but my brother's six foot one or two. Ah, you're the same height as my wife. Yeah, I'm six yeah. foot five, so, like, so I've always had that problem. Yeah, and my husband's about my height. So, yeah. Yeah. Not super tall here. You're very fortunate. Or he's yes. very, yes, yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Adam is uh, growing like a weed. 13. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. 13. So, um, so uh, as far as Trump, who's really scared? Nobody? I think he'll win the nomination. <laughs> I don't think he'll win the general, though. Me neither. I don't, I think she waltzes in no matter what. But I'm, I, oh, yeah. you know, I don't. I mean, I've, I think I've, Rubio is going to take it. Yeah, I've blocked 40 people, 50 on Facebook now. Just gross, disgusting, racist. Ugh. 
God, what is that? You know, I think a lot of people, are people I went to went to elementary, middle, and high school with. I came from, you know, a very wealthy area in Southern California. And it's like, where are these fucking people coming from? Are you kidding me? Mm. I cannot believe it. I cannot yeah, believe it. Because everybody what, but... thinks California, it's so liberal. No, it isn't. Well, I tell you what, when the when the scary black man got in the White House, you saw you saw a whole lot of people you didn't think that would be that way, but yeah. a whole lot of them yeah. came from the sewer. Oh God, it's disgusting. And yeah. I'm hoping that he writes about it when he's done. I, I oh, hope so he's salivating, you know, he's probably been just biting his tongue. I mean, can you imagine? And the people that try to compare it to how we picked on Bush, bullshit. I mean, the worst thing you ever said about Bush is he was stupid and he was a bumbling fool. <laughs> you know, he uh, he wasn't running the country anyway. You know, oh, my father was. He used to call him president till the second term, and then he did it. You know, choking on it. So, <laughs> yeah, just like those pretzels. No, <laughs> term, my father called him George Bush, never president, never. Yep. And now they're saying, what, 10 years later or whatever, that it was indeed, you know. Al Gore. Yes. Yep. yes but you indeed. know what? Here's my opinion on that. And, and, and then you can, everybody should, I want, I want to hear everyone's opinion. Mm-hmm. Al Gore didn't win his own state. Mm-hmm. In my mind, you deserve to lose. You can't win your own state. <laughs> you should have spent more time there. And that is your fault. If he would have just won his home state, like probably ninety nine, I'd love to see the stats on that mm. on how on how many haven't won their home state. Well, Al Gore's from Tennessee, right? But and still, had, and no, no Democrat is gonna gonna win this state ever again. I think you don't think. You know, I mean, it, it used to be a blue state. Though. I mean, I this used to be a blue state. Now. This used to be a blue state, but it it's some it's some crazy people in this state now. You know, some crazy yeah. people came from the Oh, no, it's just, it's, well, yeah. and that, you know, that's where I think that Hillary was correct. He is totally igniting the hate. I mean, completely. Mm-hmm. Completely. He's enjoying every minute. And the scum at his rallies, you know, <laughs> with their Nazi stuff on. It's sick. It's sick. And the media is just soaking it up. It's, I, I just can't handle it. You know, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm CNN. I just that and and that girl he just added to, added to his staff, the one who wants to use the nuclear weapons. She looks maybe Indian or what's her name, Janine or Jeannie or I don't know. I... Janine Pirro. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. And she's like talking about using nuclear we- nuclear weapons. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, I mean, he's got crazy people with him. On the payroll. Right? I mean, it's got to be the only reason. Tell mm-hmm. me that. That's right. pretty much the only reason I can think of. And uh, just just to give Joey a little bit of hope, uh, it looks like if Democratic, uh, I'm sorry, demographic changes continue as they presently are, Tennessee should become a purple state around the 2024 election. Oh, gee. That's wow. so comforting. Wow. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so relieved. 
saved. Well, at least we got a Democratic Maryland out you in our town. You don't have to worry about your grandchildren or your children. Or... You know, that Nashville, where I live, is it's kind of a progressive town anyway. You know, it's a big, major city. Right. And, you know, and it's progressive. We got a, our first female Democratic mayor ever. In, wow. Know, where, wait, where are you exactly? Nashville. T- Nashville okay, Tennessee. okay. Yeah, I love Nashville, actually. Yeah. You it's, know. A, it's a hell of a town. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Town. Yeah. And you got Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, big Democrats, big liberals out there. Oh, Love yeah. It. All right, I know. I was a little bit surprised. I don't know. I just, not so much with him, more with her, I think, because she came from that tiny, tiny town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's yeah a... the, 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 race, the racial stuff now is ridiculous. And we live outside Baltimore, and this whole Freddie Gray thing is disgusting. And now that this one guy got off, that's what's going to happen. The rest of them are going to get off too, and I'm sorry about that, Joe. Uh, the struggle continues. I put it yeah. that way. I'm still being a trench is fighting. Yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. You know, we got many um, more battles to, to fight. So I mean, I'm, they I'm just a, outright kill them though, and and some of it on tape. You know, like shooting someone 16 times in the back. Oh yeah. Because they're waving a knife at you from, like, the other side of the fucking freeway. You know, like, he was dead enough after you shot him five times, ten. That was mm-hmm. overkill. Yeah, what's the magic sure number with these people? Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Schaefer says that Trump spokesman is Katrina Pearson, and they're going to have, he it's has Katrina. a story That's- on her for next Tuesday on Turn Up the Night. Oh, and very nice. Katrina. She's right. a former... Okay. She's a former cruise loyalist. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she's grotesque. I mean, and they're having her on like every day now. You know, it's, it's ugh. Oh, she's so grotesque. Mm-hmm. Straight out of Fox News. Worse. Uh, yeah. Straight pretty out of the much. Blaze. Straight out <laughs> of the Blaze. Okay. So, and have pretty you much. noticed too, Joe, that we don't have any liberal. TV or radio anymore, and everyone says we do. If there's any, I'd like to find it. Well, only thing I know is is over nine. Well, I found out this is last year. I don't know how it is now. We have nine hundred conservative radio talk show hosts that's on like our airways, and Ugh. only not and and outside only ninety. Ugh. Yeah. So we got some work to do. Yep. 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 But you like it there. Yeah, I love it here. Yeah, 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 I do too. I love it there. It's so yeah. beautiful too. The Smoky yes, Mountains right there and everything. It's really mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, well, yeah, no, she's Katrina. Okay, yeah. So she's on every day, and I, I don't know. He's just. I think he is inciting violence. Absolutely. He definitely is, and uh, right. I I think that he and Fiorina especially have a lot oh, of the God. blame to take for what happened yeah. in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. And she's still insisting that the videos are not doctored. Yeah. Of course. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, really? Right? Exactly. Uh, yep. I mean, come on, bitch. Yeah. She, she built her whole campaign on that premise, so. <laughs> yeah, Hillary bad. Hillary bad. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised it didn't like pull her head down. She's just and got so much Botox. Did you notice that? It's like <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe. No movement. 
face is just completely frozen. <laughs> you know? She's a... Same expression. She's a very, very unique Virginian woman. I will say that much. Oh, and I have a question, Janet, or Joe, or John, anyone who can answer. So did she take a potty break and they just made a mistake and showed it? Or... Oh, apparently she went to the bathroom, okay. but and didn't realize it was that short of a break. Okay, okay. So they didn't mean to show her coming back. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. they kind of forgot that women, it takes a little longer to put things yeah. back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, that was kind of a fail then. Yeah. Well, yes, but she had on, yeah. No, she I had... mean, no, it's fine, but, you know, I guess, yeah. Yeah, because... <laughs> And then she said, yeah, she made a joke, you know, she made a joke about it. And she said, yeah. you ought to try putting, um, the women's clothes. I can't remember how she said it, but women have Probably a few more Spain. layers right. to go through. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, she's got to lose the pantsuit. So I, I hate it straight out of a Talbot's. Ugh. Oh gosh. It's so over. Well, Hillary pulls you off know? the pantsuits, I think. Oh, I don't like it. I, you don't maybe like they it. could just be a bit more feminine. <laughs> you know, they're very Talbots, don't you think? Jan- Janet, have you ever walked by a Talbots? Next time you do, next time you're in a mall and there's a Talbots, look, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. They're very masculine. Out. You know, you have money. Go to Armani. Get the best. You know, that is the first thing I would do when I want, if I won millions and millions, of course, I would give it to family and friends and shit, but I would buy, I would buy Armani suits. Yeah. Dress. Yeah, they have bags, good looking. Anything. I mean, his, his stuff is, it's magic. So, and she just, it's just a little masculine for me. What do you think, Joe? Well, <laughs> I, I I think some women can pull off pantsuits and stuff. I, I think she can pull it off, though. All right. I think she I'd, can pull it off. I'd like to see just a little more flair. Yeah, a little more feminine, you know. Yeah, yeah, just different. I've seen some women in pantsuits that are sexy, you know. Yeah, exactly. Heels and stuff. Thing. And they're probably Giorgio Armani. Yeah, know? yeah. Or, you know, one of those, even Ralph Lauren makes beautiful suits. So, yeah, and she's got the money. Right. So I I hope she wins, you know, I mean, obviously to see the first woman, but um, I I think her husband's a package. Joe, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. He's a smart dude. Yeah. Smart dude. Yeah. You know, he, he he knows, know what time it is. Yeah. He is smart. Yeah. He'll give advice. I think he will, you know, they gonna give, give her shit about it. You know, you know, the other side's gonna give a shit. Give her, give her plenty of shit. Her, her husband used to be president. He probably gave her all kind of fucked up and, advice. And she gave you know? him advice, no doubt, too. And maybe mm-hmm. some he took and some he didn't, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think it's kind of a package. What do you guys think? Uh, you know, I think that Hillary will do a lot on her own, but I, uh, she did make that comment that there would be situations under which she might, you know, have Bill in the Situation Room. And that's a good thing. And I, I really think that... Having a former president as the first gentleman, I guess that's what it'll be called. I'm really not sure. Um, Would would be a really cool thing. And she said last night that she was going to have him help her with the economics and some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it'll definitely be valuable. 
I mean, I just don't see anybody else winning. And, you know, the polls they keep showing, nobody really understands that they're not, you know, people <laughs> necessarily or registered voters, you know. Yep. I mean, exactly. Donald Trump does not have 40% of this nation's Republican vote. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. You know, absolutely. Yes, forty percent of the okay. The fake of, first first of the twenty five. Yeah. There's half. You know, next fake thing. Okay, now it's you know ten percent, and on and on. I mean, I just you know they're false. So I just hope he doesn't get the nomination. But yeah, you're right, Jonathan. Who else is there? Uh, on the Republic, there's nobody. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I had high hopes for Pataki for a while, and yeah. he went downhill real quick. So, you know. Joey, what do you think? Uh, I thought uh, I thought Cruz. Huh. I thought maybe he'd become, you know, but yeah. look like Trump. Yeah. But he's like it's the dump. Yeah, yeah. He can't win either. So, I mean, I just think, I think we're solid. Mm-hmm. That, trying not to sound, you know, overly enthusiastic. So. And I think Tom has a point. Tom Schaefer, he said that he thought the question about the first spouse was deliberately posed to ask Hillary about Bill's role. Right, right. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to sneak it under the radar. Yep. You know, and they think people like Tom who are smart know exactly what they're doing. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. But yeah, she said she's still do the floral stuff, right? Nebraska. Yeah, she's gonna do the floral and get ready Honey. for the state dinners. Right. Yeah. No, I. It's just, she said yeah. she didn't trust him to do that. <laughs> she just said that's not his area. No, I'm. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> yeah, he excels in other areas. So yeah. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, Dana, I want to thank you so much for coming oh, on no, the program tonight. Oh, no, my pleasure. Thank you. No, I thank you. so honored. And it was yes. nice talking to everybody. Merry nice Christmas. Nice to meet you, Dana. I nice think to I, meet you, I think Joe. I'm, I think yep. I'm friends with you on Facebook. Probably. I, I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to have you back sometime. I, yeah, yes, no, anytime, anytime. I would love it. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Okay, right. bye. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Have a great night. You too. All right. Gosh, so that's that cool, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was very fun. <laughs> yep. So, all right. We are going to uh, head to a unfortunately very, very late break. Uh, we are going to have to skip over one of the traditions that we were going to discuss, but we will get to Kwanzaa. So uh, keep that station tuned here to Southern Progressive Revival. We'll be right back here with you right after this break. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Dr. Dreidel here. And we've got something to get off our chest. This time of year, all you ever hear is Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. It's not the only holiday, no way. So cut me some slack if I say Christmas isn't all that great. It's only one day, but we got eight. Eight, 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 eight,
stress you out. It's easy, easy, easy. Not done shopping by the first night? You got another week to get it right. No fancy cookies you gotta bake, and there's no such thing as Hanukkah fruitcake. Cake, 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 cake. Hi, this is Jonathan Matthews from Southern Progressive Revival, wishing you all a happy holidays from all of us here at Indie Media Weekly, for those who care. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right. Thank you, Nashville. Thank you, Lake of the Ozarks. And welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. Uh, we are going to go through our last holiday real quick before we get Ms. Peggy Schaefer onto the show for an hour-long conversation about the holidays, recipes, and meditation as a way to de-stress through this very stressful period in time. Uh, so Kwanzaa, was a holiday that was created, uh, and this is, of course, the most recently created holiday on our list, uh, to introduce and reinforce seven principles, which were viewed as core value systems for healthy and thriving families, stable and loving and caring relationships, effective parenting practices, school achievement, and nonviolent, safe, and productive communities. Thus, the seven days of the Kwanzaa holiday are organized around the seven principles of Kwanzaa, unity, self-determination, collective work, and responsibility, shared wealth, purpose, creativity, and faith. So to go through that tonight, we will begin off with Joey. We will each be reading one of the principles apiece. And the very first principle in Swahili is Umoja. Yeah, Umoja means unity. Principle instructs that each member of the family and by extension to community and constituted by a web of interpersonal relationships the health and possibilities of the family and community therefore is dependent upon the quality of relationship within family and community today is the first day of kwanzaa a celebration of kwanzaa principle unity this uh principle stresses the uh, uh, promotes and the immediate and extended family construct of family lives around Thought and family practice, which encourages humanist relations. To th- that is to say, we speak each other in ways which center on love. Beautiful. And the second principle in Swahili is Kuji Chagulia. <clears throat> Self determination. And this is all coming from KwanzaaGuide.com. <clears throat> Self-determination principle, the number two, 
says that African Americans, like everybody, need to share their cultural values, symbols, rituals, and practices in order to give families and children meaning and value and identity and community, which is exactly what we've been talking about tonight. You know, our customs and tradition and how it makes a family and a community strong. Um, It's a commitment, a duty, a responsibility of African Americans to speak and act in the interest of African Americans and their common good. And then you're supposed to say that today is the second day of Kwanzaa, a celebration of the Kwanzaa principle. Thank you. A self-determination. All right. And the third Kwanzaa principle is Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility. Uh, The Ujima principle teaches each family member to recognize that their own well-being is derived from the family and community's well-being and that they must be concerned with the overall health of their family and community and that the lives of each family member and that of the community are bound together. This is the third day of Kwanzaa, Ujima, collective work and responsibility, to build and maintain the community together and make our sisters and brothers' problems our problems and solve them together. The third principle, Ujima, encourages self-criticism and personal evaluation as it relates to the common good of the family and community without collective work and struggle. And I love this principle in particular because every single time Joey closes out his Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future segment... He says that we're all in this together. And really, without your family, without your community, nothing can be accomplished. So on to Joey with the fourth principle, Ujamaa. Ujamaa. Shared wealth. Ujamaa principle empowers families and communities to come together around a collective economic interest and to see their economic strength in co-opt, owing, and buying as a employee-owned credit unions, the fourth day of Kwanzaa. Today is the fourth day of Kwanzaa, a a celebration of Kwanzaa principle. Ujamaa, uh, cooperative economics, cooperative economics, Ujamaa. Sharing and pooling for our financial resources and goods and services for the common benefit of family and community participants with the goal of building and Sustaining cooperative economic enterprises, the practice of mutual. All right. The practice of mutual. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You got it perfect. Uh, and the next principle for Janet is Nia. Hello, Janet. Okay, sorry. No problem. Nia. <laughs> and I can say Nia purpose. Nia principle instructs every family member to see themselves as linked to the larger project of nation building. As individuals have not started to live until he or she can rise above the narrow confines of his or her individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of humanity. Martin Luther King Jr. instructs what that's the part that he was instructing. And so you say Happy Kwanzaa, a happy a celebration of family, community, and culture. Nia Day, today is the fifth day of Kwanzaa, a celebration of the Kwanzaa principle. It's commitment, duty, and obligation to contribute to the morality, morally so serious purpose and noble goal of nation building, which, you know, this should be for all of us, every single one of these that we're reading so far. 
Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of these sound a little bit uh, socialist, which we liberals are accused of being a lot of the time. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, these are really beautiful things. Um, and the next principle is Kumba, which is creativity. Uh, Kumba principle demands continuous improvement in personal and family and social matters. George Washington Carver teaches us all that no one has a right to come into the world without leaving behind a distinct and legitimate reason for having passed through it. A celebration of family, community, and culture. Today is the sixth day of Kwanzaa, a celebration of the Kwanzaa principle Kumba, creativity, Kumba, commitment, duty, and obligation to the practice of continuous improvement, creativity theme, leaving our families, community, and world a better place to live, work, and love. And on to Joey for the final principle, which is Imani. Imani, faith. Imani principle teaches personal and collective efficiency. Mary McLeod Bertune says, without faith, nothing is possible. With faith, nothing is possible. Faith in God is greater power, the greatest power, but great is faith in oneself. Howard Thurman teaches that the faith is the, I quote, promise of tomorrow at the close of every day. The triumph of life is defiance of death. A celebration of family, community, culture, Amani. The uh the the duty is the, the duty to trust and believe in our parents and our let me see in our parents and our parents in our capacity as family. Uh community and people achieve at our highest potential. Today is the seventh and final day of Kwanzaa. Families, friends, communities, one come together on this day. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Joey. Thank you so much, Janet. And if any of you are interested in learning more about Kwanzaa, which starts on the 26th and lasts for seven days, uh, you can go to kwanzaaguide.com, as Janet Lee mentioned before. But right now, we do have to run to another break here real quick so that we can get Miss Peggy Schaefer onto the program, who I'm sure Tom is ready to hear from. So <laughs> we're going to go to this break. Uh, we have... Uh, just nothing but commercials on this break. And then after that, we'll have our last song of the evening. Uh, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws. We pay our taxes. We fly our flags on holidays. And we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. everybody, Kim Williams here, proprietor of IndieMediaWeekly.com and Indie Media Weekly Radio. We invite you to check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice, a Facebook community that many of us are a part of here at Indie Media Weekly. Many of our contributors and listeners are as well. So if you're a fan of Facebook, you should check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice and join us. We are ready to fight, and we hope you are too. And we hope to see you there. Just search for Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice anytime you're on Facebook. This is Michael S. Sharbaugh, host of the Broken Doorway Indie Music Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio. 
accompanied by producer Kim Williams, proprietor of Indie Media Weekly and host of Inside Indie Media Weekly, I have the esteemed pleasure to bring you a series of interviews with some of the exciting indie artists featured on Indie Media Weekly Radio and the Broken Doorway Radio Show. 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Times, Saturdays and Wednesdays after the Broken Doorway and 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays after Kim Williams' Inside Indie Media Weekly. This is The Spoken Doorway. Enter. Come walk with me, Michael Sharball, through the broken doorway. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on IndieMediaWeekly.com. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having a, a, a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say. I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn up the night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. This is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and I want to wish every one of you a happy Hanukkah Monzadon. Isn't that right, Suze? Yes. Happy Hanukkah, Chris Monzadon. Hey, and don't you worry, all of our cats are working on presents for you right now. The Doctor, Timby, and Jeliza Rose are all chewing on tinsel at this very moment, working on a special surprise for all of you. That's right, Ken. And it wouldn't be the holidays without tinsel hanging out of all of our cats' butts. <laughs> so true. Happy holidays from Indie Media Weekly. into Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final hour of Southern Progressive Revival. I am, of course, your host, Jonathan Matthews, reporting from Richmond, Kentucky. And I would like to take this opportunity to welcome back to the program our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, ma'am, and happy holidays. Hello, Janet. Darn, sorry. Oh, you're Happy okay. holidays to you, everyone in <laughs> chat, and everyone who's listening. See, I'm getting better at muting. You are. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Just, I'm still muting. That's my problem. <laughs> you will get there. There is a learning curve to all things. <laughs> 
And, of course, uh, last but not least, Mr. Joey Word, our official snowman of the night, because he's just that cool, from Nashville, Tennessee. Happy holidays, and welcome back, Joey. Hello. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes, indeed. So let's go ahead and get Peggy on the call with us now. I'm sure that this will be a very exciting conversation. And uh, Janet is going to be leading it because her and Peggy have been friends for quite some time now, and I'm excited to hear that conversation. So as soon as Peggy gets on the call here, we will introduce her properly. All right, and Pe- Miss Peggy Schaefer, are you there, ma'am? I sure am. Hi there. It is such a pleasure to have you on the program. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great, and it's wonderful to be here. I've been listening, and the show's been fun. Thank well, you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, of course, uh, here with me are your uh, good friend, uh, Janet Lee, and Mr. Joey Word. Hey. Hi, hi everybody. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Well, I'm. I've been. I'm just. This was you we, first. Okay. <laughs> when you said that you would like to do holiday stuff, I said that to Jonathan, and Jonathan said, "Perfect. Let's just do a holiday show." We did get a little off on politics, but um, for the most part, it's been pretty much holiday things. And you and I had talked on Kim's show. And you are so multi-talented. Um, you're a life coach, of course, a wife. Um, you're a survivor. You're a cat mom. <laughs> <laughs> and you're married to Tom. Yeah, that, that's a big job right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I applaud all women that are married and stay married. <laughs> He's like, live from studio, third bedroom. It's Peggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> so, he's, so on the, uh, he's on the other computer doing the chat while I'm in here talking. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to thinking about, because we were on with um, Kim. And we talked about meditation, and it was right after I'd had my heart attack. And um, so I was just trying to learn how to do meditation. But the reason for the meditation, it's kind of like you have to go backwards, is stress. And uh, so one of the things that I did that I kind of wanted to start with, and then I'm kind of, I thought we might talk just a little bit about the myth of suicide just at Christmas, because from what I'm reading, and you tell me if I'm wrong, the suicide rate goes up this time of the year, but a lot of times it's because you've lost somebody, and also sad, you know, the seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, it's a double whammy, and people who live in the South may not know that much about it because there's so much sunshine, but it still affects people because there is less sunshine. And um, I have a friend that we've uh, come to know here in Asheville who said that she had it really badly when she lived in the north. When she moved to Asheville, it went away almost completely, except right in the middle of the winter around Christmas time because it's still less sunny. And um, add in the... Everybody's supposed to be happy and and 
life is supposed to be beautiful around Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, and especially if you've lost someone, it can be you know, the triple whammy of um, the expectations of that perfect Rockwell Christmas and having lost somebody and also with the seasonal affective disorder. So you're right. It's, it seems like, um, well, it, it is a fact that suicides are higher around the Christmas and holiday season. Yeah, and they thought, uh, from what I read to prepare for this, uh, was this is written by Regina Boyle Wheeler, and I found it in different places, so I'm not um, from Everyday Health. And she said just exactly what you were saying. And uh, there's a director from the Annenberg Institution uh, said that the holiday blues are exactly what you said. It pulls it in. People don't have money. They want to be able to, they think everybody else's life is better than theirs, no matter where they are in life. And um, they think that the myth started at the, the Annenberg Research Center was it's a wonderful life. The, the association between suicide and Christmas-specific suicide. Interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, I have SAD. And I know what this is because, like, in the winter, I was getting so bad I could barely pull myself out of bed. But in the summer, I, you know, would get out and do stuff. You know, I was outside a lot. Mm-hmm. So I went to my doctor and in the winter and I said, I just need antidepressants. There's something wrong with me. And he's like, no, you're sad. And I went, yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> I, why I'm here. I know. I know I've, never heard of, I've never heard of the term sad. <laughs> he's like, no, seasonal affective disorder. It's called sad. And I went, oh, <laughs> So I got put on something in the wintertime and I'm fine. So, but I do have to watch it because if there's a lot of rain, like we had this rain and you can't get out, like I like to go outside on my deck, even if it's super cold and just kind of feel the sun or look at it. But um, anyway, they said that one of the things that drives suicide is the feeling that you don't belong and worsening depression so what are some of the things, um, they said that warning signs are talking and writing about life being worthless or speaking about a plan or intention to hurt yourself or seeking to harm yourself. Now, do you deal with people in your, um, you know, because I know you're a life coach. Do you deal with people that have those feelings? What do you tell them? In life coaching, no, but I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but I am a trained suicide coach. Oh, wow. Um, I started out as a suicide hotline volunteer, and then I ended up um, being the manager of that suicide hotline. So I've had you know extensive training in, in uh, handling people who are talking about suicide. Um, one of the things that's most important to know is that any of those signs that you mentioned don't necessarily mean suicide, but if they're a change, if it's a drastic change for the person, um, if all of a sudden they start giving away all their stuff, 
if all of a sudden they're very happy and they have been completely sad and down and in the, in it totally in the dumps. And like you said, maybe not able to get out of bed almost. And all of a sudden they're bubbly and bouncy and happy. It's because they've made a decision and mm-hmm. now they want to give things away. They want to put everything in order um, and they're happy about their decision. So one of the things that people just really need to know about suicide is that it's okay to ask a person that you are concerned about because, and ask them, are you considering suicide? And you're thinking, Oh my God, I'm afraid I'm going to drive them to it. You know, I don't want to talk about it because if we bring it up, maybe it'll make them do it. The truth is most people, especially those who haven't made that final absolute, I'm definitely going to do this. If you ask them that, they're going to say, oh, my God, no, 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 that, that's I'm not that you know, everything's fine. I, I'm not going to do that. But if you run across a person who says, yes, I've been talking about making plans. Now you need to get that person some help right away and you need to contract with them to take them for counseling to come over and spend time with them. Because if they've made a plan, there's a really good chance that they will try to follow through with it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's good advice. And another thing, too, I have learned is eating right, too. I mean, that also goes with that, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. And, of course, <laughs> this time of the year is not very helpful for eating right. Because no. we have all of these wonderful special Christmas recipes and family traditions. And I've looked on Facebook and watched people. Uh, I haven't made cookies for a long time. I made some to take to a party last weekend. But I remember the days when we made dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies. And we are, I'm not yes. sure where they all went. I think we ate them. I really think we ate them. So they well, aren't, that's not necessarily the right kind of healthy food that you should be eating to help with your feeling depressed or feeling sad. Exactly. And I, you know, after my heart attack, I kind of got into also being a little depressed because you worry about things. Well, I have to admit this during Thanksgiving, I ate too much fat. I had herring, I had all kinds of stuff. I had uh, summer sausage for the first time in a year, mm. almost a year. It's not a year since I had the heart attack, but I mean, I, I was ridiculous. So I started getting chest pains. Mm. So I ended up calling the cardiologist and the nurse started going through a series of questions with me. And uh, she said, what have you been eating? And so I told her and and I was like, I'm just eating fine. You know, I had turkey and Yes, I had some mashed potatoes, but not that much butter. And then I kept going, and by the end, she's like, Anne, and she kept saying Anne. And finally, I admitted the summer sausage, the herring, the pumpkin pie. And she's like, it's angina. (laughs) So, and I guess this has a high impact on, and I ate something else too, and it's like high in nitrates. So... (laughs) So, if you have trouble, um, it's really important to eat right, you know, and if you fall off the wagon, you fall off the wagon. Um, I'm back on the wagon. (laughs) Yay, good for you. 
<laughs> yes, and I'm feeling much, much better than I was. But I got these things from, these tips from Forks and Knives that I wanted to say real quick. Um, I love them because a lot of, it's just really healthy food. And one of the things they said is eating healthy before you go. Do you find yourself doing that too? I used to. I have been really bad lately about, um, you know, being cautious and planning ahead like that. But it is a wonderful tip because if you're not, starving when you get there and you are you already feel satiated what is it satiated um you the stuff that's on the table that if you know if you're hungry would just drive you crazy and you want to eat a lot of it won't bother you as much yeah and it says too that it's okay to have a substitute uh healthy snack and take it with you if you need to you know but fill up sure you know and I had not thought about doing that. And I have um, tried to eat. And when we had our Christmas, or not Christmas, end of the year food fest in the teacher's lounge last year when I was retiring, I would purposely just bring these huge salads. And everything that I brought was on the list of things I could eat because you go into the teach, and I would avoid the teacher's lounge because yeah. you know what that's like, Peggy. I do. Oh, my I've Lord, what a smorgasbord. Yes. Did and you know I, that I did you know that I was a music teacher? I was listening to you guys talking about music. We'll get back to that in a minute, but yeah, cool. that's what I did when I taught. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Um yeah, I knew that you taught, but I I wasn't sure in you know what capacity. Like if it was private or public. But anyway, and the second one is break out of sweat, you know, get out and mm-hmm. walk even if it's you know, under the 40 degrees or higher than whatever. And I, what I've been doing is walking up and down my steps and then walking around my garage because it was, it's either been too wet, too humid, not hot now, but one or the other to get out. And I haven't gone up to this uh, place to start walking yet. So I've just been doing it around the house. But what else can you think of? Can you think of other things that you can are good put on ideas? Christmas music and dance to it, or whatever oh, music you like. Idea. But you know, we listen to Pandora a lot. We've been listening to the like the easy smooth jazz because it's kind of in the background. It's Christmas, but it's not too obnoxious. But if you switch over to the pop music on Pandora for Christmas, it's really bouncy, and that would be something that you could easily. You know, instead of even if you're walking around, you're going to walk faster. You're going to walk to the music. So, just listening mm-hmm. to that kind of music can get you up and out of your chair a little bit more. That's a good idea. I mean, um, we were listening to Indie Media, and they had some pretty cool stuff before Alma left, and so her and I were practicing her crab walk because she's in toddler <laughs> gymnastics now. So. <laughs> So that's was that was fun, you know, but by the time she left I was like oh. <laughs> Yep. Well there's Love another thing you can do. You can make sure you have your grandkids or your kids with you so they'll keep you busy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um but one I think one of the most important things is meditation and you are so much better than I am. Oh, and I was really is- I have to disagree with you. Okay, so I know how to do it, but I don't do it as often as you do. I forget. 
I am getting better. I'm doing it a little bit more often than zero, but um, I kind of stopped doing it for several years. And now I'm, it's a matter of the same thing as everything that you want to do that's healthy and good for you. You have to develop the habit and do it consistently for several days. Look, hopefully, you know, a month and then it will become an actual habit. Yeah, I um, couldn't sleep. And then that causes problems. Um, and so you and and Nicole Bell and Kim got me in mindful meditation. And so I want to have you talk about that. And I found out my son is doing it. He does it every night. Oh, that's and he wonderful. said he's at the part, if he has a nightmare, that he is now able to direct where his dream goes or the nightmare goes. Like if he's following off, falling off a building, he's now able to make himself fly. Ooh, wonderful. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And that is really true. Intention is amazing. And if you can direct, uh, especially get yourself into a very calm state before you fall asleep. And it doesn't, I mean, if you, if you're not good at meditation and you're not used to doing it. It is helpful to have, like you said, the mindful meditations, the the um, guided meditations where someone else is helping you go through a specific, I don't know, scenario or a, a certain thing that you're doing as you're meditating. But honestly, one of the easiest ones is just simply being observant of your breathing. Mm. You just simply observe and you you pay attention to your in-breath, and then you pay attention to your out-breath. And you pay attention as it gets longer and slower, deeper. And then the thoughts will come in. They always do. When the thoughts come in, you just say thank you, and you go back, and you think again about, about the breath. All you do is just pay attention to it. Hmm. And I noticed, too, like... uh in rehab, you know, it's four in, eight out, or eight for, in. For four a count out. of four, yeah. Yeah, and I try to do that with when I'm laying at bed in bed trying to get the swirling thoughts out because I started out just trying to blank out my mind. It's hard, isn't it, to just totally yeah. blank your mind? Because now you're doing all that work and you're not <laughs> not relaxing at all. You're just working hard to blank your mind. Mm-hmm. And so, but you do a different one. You were going to talk about, right? Well, I is do yours a music one? Not necessarily. I mean, it can be if you have particular music that you like, that you want to have behind. You know, that you can turn on, and and often the music is just simply the trigger for your mind to say, "Oh, it's time to meditate." So you might choose a particular really soft song or usually without words, just something that's sort of ambient type music um, and then do whatever meditation that you're working on. Um, I love doing guided meditations. I love helping people. Um, you know, I've recorded a couple of them and, um, you know, make those available to my clients because a lot of times the thoughts just keep you from getting anywhere near a relaxed state. And honestly, since I didn't meditate for several years, that was my problem. I was just like, okay, the thoughts were just 
oh, this is stupid, this is stupid. I'm not, you know, I can't do this. Um, so having a guided meditation helps and to have the music behind it is very helpful. All right. Now the guided meditation for those that under, don't know, isn't that the one where um, you're listening to a tape and they tell you, okay, now your hands are heavy or. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be anything. A lot of times I, I start a guided meditation with having a person go to their happy place. Just whatever is their safest, most comfortable place. And then yeah, literally that. get up and walk to another place and go, you know, and then I take them kind of on a little, uh, like a stroll to, you know, different parts, different places to do different things. Um, but there's, meditation doesn't have to be that complex. It can just simply be breathing in and breathing out. Um, another meditation that has to do with breathing is uh, there's something called a three-part or three-part breath where you breathe in, starting just breathing into your upper chest, and then you breathe out. And you can do it to the count of four, four in, four out, eight in, four out, whatever you want. Then you go into the rib area. So you're going to take a little bit deeper breath, and you're going to mm. concentrate and do a number of breaths that way. Well, actually... We'll do all three first, and then we'll do the, the, the pattern. So you do upper, then the rib, and then breathing down into what you would think of as your stomach, which is your diaphragm into the lower part ah. of your lungs. So it would be breathing in, then breathing out. Now breathing in a little more in the rib cage area. And breathing out. And this time really deeply. Wow. And then out again. And then you can follow that pattern and do that as many times as you need to during the time that you want to get into a relaxed state. And it can be used as meditation that you're paying attention to that type of breathing. Or you can just simply do that to get yourself relaxed and then go into what other kind of meditation you like to do. I love that. I really, really like that. Um, Jonathan, are we at break time? We are. And I wow, have to that say that fast. I know that I half know. hour flew. <laughs> and Peggy, what, remind me when we come back what you were kind of wanting to talk about, because we have all kinds of stuff we didn't even get to, like Yule trees. and. Yeah, I just had a, I found an article that I thought was really interesting. So I have something to talk about when we come back. Very awesome. cool. All right. Well, when we come back, it will be Peggy's prerogative here on Southern Progressive Revival. And on this break, we have a wonderful song that uh, I believe will be a new one for all of you. This is by a talented artist from New York State, an indie artist named Carly Jamison. The song, Christmas May Have to Be Postponed. We'll be right back here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country so we understand hard work so let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states southern progressive revival at indie media weekly radio Loaded with gifts, it's good and heavy 
Hi, this is Tom Schaefer from Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, and I'd like to wish you and yours a wonderful holiday season from all of us here at Indie Media Weekly. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the last half hour of Southern Progressive Revival for this, our holiday super special. And since she is our guest, I would like to welcome back to the program, Ms. Peggy, the best Schaefer. Schaefer, welcome back, ma'am. <laughs> wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. No offense, Tom. You know, we, we all love you here at Southern Progressive Revival. Uh, and of course, joining us, our, our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee. Hi, everybody, and I remembered to unmute. Good job. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Yes, welcome, welcome. And last but not least, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, everyone. Happy holidays. Yes, happy, happy holidays. And uh, Ms. Peggy Schaefer, you said that you had something that you wanted to talk about. So the mic is all yours, ma'am. Well, I have two things. Because we were going to talk about recipes. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk about a little story about a recipe from my childhood. And it my mother always made these, I think they were German because we had a German tradition in our, my background, but they were a spicy, like a ginger cookie, but they were cutouts. It wasn't like a ginger snap, but you, you know, you rolled it and we rolled them very thin. They made a boatload of cookies and they weren't mm. exceptionally sweet. Mom rolled them thin, so they got – when you first took them out of the oven, they were still a little bit chewy. And then over time, when they cooled, they got really crispy. Well, we had to store those things in every big container we could find. I, I think they made something like, I don't know, 12 dozen or something. I mean, oh it goodness. made a lot of cookies. So we I remember one year we stored them. Mom said, go get the, the – um, like the Coleman cooler, like for uh, in the day when you had the little thing, you put your, your picnic jug of, of Kool-Aid or whatever in or mm-hmm, your water. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, nobody had bottled water back in those days. Go get that out of the upstairs bedroom closet and let's put those in there. Cause it was a two gallon one, really big one. So we filled them up and didn't think much more about it. We had cookies in the freezer. We had cookies everywhere and all the Tupperware and everything. Plus, of course, other kinds of cookies that we'd made. Well, it was time to go to the July 4th picnic. Oh, no. Mom said, go upstairs (laughs) and get the the picnic jug. And there they were inside the picnic jug, still there and still just as delicious as they were at Christmas time. So I love I've I haven't made that recipe forever and ever but I it's just such a great memory I it always makes me laugh when I think about the um, ginger cookies at Christmas time. <laughs> That's hysterical. That is awesome. <laughs> and, and I just I wondered if anybody else had any funny stories or you know about food but also about maybe traditions that you had at Christmas or at whatever holiday you celebrated. Well, 
I, I'm, I can share one real quick, and then you guys share one of yours, but we had Lutefisk every year, and um, back then they, they were hard, so you had to soak them in water and then lie salt and then water again. We always tried to get some ready to eat for Thanksgiving. Well, anytime you had a new boyfriend or whatever that was invited over for Christmas, you know, you tried to warn them, it's fish, we eat fish at Christmas, seven different kinds, so there should be something that you like. But you'd walk in the house, and I don't know if you've ever smelled lutefisk, it is nasty smelling. And my grandma always made white sauce and mustard sauce. My sister's big LOLing in the chat room. So you'd walk in, and all the newbies in the family would start to kind of gag because my grandpa was so proud of the Lutefisk and he was an immigrant and uh, he would take the plate of all the newbies and I kind of wonder if he did it on purpose and their eyes would water because he'd put the fish on their plate <laughs> and then he'd put, and they'd say they'd try to swallow it but it's kind of gelatinous so it was like a jelly mold and it's kind of sliding over your plate we all knew that whatever we took, we had to eat no matter what. So I use mustard sauce because mustard sauce hides everything. It's wonderful. <laughs> and so I'd be like, here, use mustard sauce. And they're looking at me like I'm strange. And <laughs> Really, you want to do this. You really want to do this. You're going to have to eat the lutefisk or you're not going to get accept- accepted. And that's, I'm not joking. That really, <laughs> they wouldn't. So you'd hear people gagging or the dog all of a sudden would be going. <laughs> so you'd look down the table <laughs> to see who cleaned their fish off the plate. <laughs> so was it a test to see if these people could, could if they were worthy of the Scandinavian heritage? I think, I think, but you know, my grandpa honestly believed it was the best meal of the year, but he also didn't think if you didn't eat it, that you were rude and you really weren't worthy of being part of the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he honestly believed that. I don't think, you know, <laughs> Joe, my sister is in chat and she said, the loot fisk was like a plank stacked on the floor in the store. And the Germans said the only flavor the fish had was the dogs that walked by (laughs) when they walked by. Oh, dear. (laughs) But it that I just thought that was hilarious. But I'll I'll never forget Gretch. All of a sudden, you know, you'd hear her. (laughs) She liked it. Everybody in the whole long table would be looking down both ways to see who had dumped the food to the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway, go on, guys. Uh, Uh, Yeah, anybody else have a story to tell? Yeah, I I will let one at all. Oh, you don't have one? Well, I I have a tradition. I don't know that it's so funny. I I don't know if you would want to hear a tradition like that or not. (laughs) Well, yes. Of course we would. Well, uh, this is a tradition that started, uh, oh gosh, I guess I was about nine, I was almost ten years old, and uh, my mom worked for a major airline, 
uh, which was a union position, which is a wonderful thing. But unfortunately, when you work in a call center and it's a union position, seniority means everything when it comes to shifts. So she was working very late second shift, and my brother and I, who was uh, about to turn two, were at a babysitter's pretty much every night. And she picked us up on Christmas Eve because she had to work. And uh, we were on our way home. It was 10 o'clock at night, and we had a tire blowout. So my mom was crying. She was upset. She knew she had to go to work the next day, and it was Christmas, and she wanted to be with us. And uh, she had no idea how to change a tire. So we ended up waiting there, and it was snowing. And uh, eventually, this uh, drunk old man came up on a bicycle, and uh, (laughs) he was... uh, quite a hoot but he he ended up getting the tire changed but um after that uh it was too late to cook dinner we tried to find a place to eat uh all the fast food restaurants by that point were closed the only thing that was open was a chinese restaurant uh so that christmas eve night we had chinese for dinner and ever since then we have had chinese for dinner on christmas eve every christmas eve so that is our one family tradition that is so cool that's cool yeah, we were getting ready one year to go to to Nebraska for ours, and um, super icy. So we got as far as St. Louis. Every place was closed because we weren't planning on being there. Um, and we went to an area in St. Louis, and we're falling and sliding down a hill. We find some place that's open. We walk in, and there was, and we're wanting to, you know, we want to do a little bit of the tradition, but instead there was goat meat. And I think it was either Greek or Arabic food. I don't know which. Huh. They didn't speak English, and we didn't speak their language. So we just sat and pointed. Mm. I mean, it was fun. <laughs> 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 and I, it just kind of almost made you feel like that one um, movie, you know, with the dog coming through, kind of like your story, you know, where he comes through and eats a turkey, and they're singing and what, yeah. Uh, Chop the duck head off because <laughs> the duck is smiling. Yep, a Christmas got, story. Yeah, I have, Christmas one, story. I have one. I have one little tradition though. Every Christmas, every year, my mother and, and my stepfather, they always get us a big. I'm talking about a big giant bowl just full of oranges and apples and tangerines and candy and nuts. Ooh. And we get those little. You, I know you remember these. You probably, you probably remember these, Jonathan. Little green army man. Hmm. They come in a big old package. I'm talking about we had some of them things. We filled a whole, like a 50-gallon trash trash bin up full of them things. That's how many we had. And we've been getting them wow. things. I, I'm talking about we got them things from when we was like two or three years old on up. And we never lost one. We saved them all, me and my brothers. <laughs> Those that is little super green cool. army men, man. And we used to get them every year. My mom and them made it a tradition of us to get those every year. That is so fun. That is really fun. So do you still have any of them? I wish I did because they probably worth some now, but I don't know what happened to them. I think as we got older, we started throwing them away and stuff. Yeah. You know. Probably started torturing them and and tearing their heads (laughs) off. Setting them on fire. Yeah, we taking like uh, those magnifying glasses and throwing them to the sun, (laughs) melting them that way and everything, you know. Yeah. Did all kind of crazy stuff like that. Caitlin. Yeah, we made we made our games. <laughs> made them up. <laughs> Caitlin, Chris says the Jews eat Chinese food at Christmas 
thing I don't understand, but I, I understand, but I sort of don't. But then I'm Chinese, so it's not exactly special food for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Nova says her parents ran a paper route in that she would go out to help starting around 8. And at one time, my father and I would go and run the route without mom because she would still be home wrapping gifts. We would put the station that had the NORAD tracker, and I would lean my head out the window and stare at the sky, just hoping and and looking. And then what a wonderful story! Isn't that cool? And then in the middle of the route, they go check on her, and then go out and finish up. And then they go to the Waffle House because it was the one place open on Christmas, and we'd have Christmas breakfast. Wow! Isn't that that cool? That's really. I love these stories. Keep them coming. Oh yeah. When I was little, I lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and it happened to be in in Ohio, at least in the Midwest, that part of the country. When I was little in the sixties, it was a it was very very cold and lots of snow. And in fact, one of our weathermen in Columbus said it probably ten years ago that that was an anomaly. For about ten years, they had excessively extra snow. You know, the patterns just brought lots of snow, so we would get snowed in a lot. And even on my parents were teachers as well, and we'd have to get up, dad would get up in the morning and get the caterpillar tractor and plow out the road, and then we'd drive out. So, I mean, it was really, really bad. So I remember the one Christmas that my mom didn't get a chance to go out and get me things for my stocking. Of course, the stocking, I always had to have an orange in the toe. So Mm -hmm. that year, I don't know that she'd even gone out. There might have been an orange, but... She didn't really have any little presents, so I found things in my Christmas stocking that morning that she had gone around the house and found in drawers that I don't even remember ever seeing. Just little crazy, just crazy things. Nothing that really had anything to do with Christmas necessarily, but I got all kinds of fun things, and I, I played with those things for years because they were, I don't know, they had a special significance because it was in my Christmas stocking. Also, she she found, remember how grandmas used to have plastic fruit and yes. you know keep it as a decoration? Well, I found plastic fruit in my stocking that year as well. So <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I hope you didn't try to eat it. No, I didn't. But I, just, I still think there was a real orange in the toe because we always had some oranges around Christmas time. Oh, nice. Yeah, we always put uh, fruit and nuts and the first thing that you did and that's pretty much all we had in our stockings you'd go out and look at the door and supposedly if you're bad you get you know sticks mm-hmm. otherwise you'd get a stocking of fruit and nuts pretty much that would be it and a pomegranate which was cool anybody else have we got anything else coming from the chat room? Or? No. Nah. <laughs> I don't have okay. anything. The thing that got me thinking about this was I found an article on Christmas in America during the 19th century. Ooh. And it it was because I read somewhere, somebody's Facebook post, that said Christmas was illegal before 19 or 1837. And I thought, wow. oh, come on, that's crazy. You know, in the United States. I thought, wow, this is silly. But I just typed that in search and I found this article. And it's actually, I think it looks like it might have been a radio play that these two guys put on. Um, But it was 
basically that Christmas in the first half of the 19th century, which would have been the 1800s, was very different than the holiday it is today. Some people, it, for some people, it was a religious holiday. For other people, it was a, it was a fam, fam, family. We didn't even celebrate it and just worked through it. And it wasn't official in any state. And so let me turn the page here. Um, Louisiana was the first state to make it an official holiday. And of course, there, oh, there it is, in uh, 1837. So I think that's where the Facebook thing came from. But by, ni- by 1860, there were still only 14 states, um, total of 15, that had made it an official holiday. And it wasn't until um, Ulysses S. Grant, president at that time, in 1870, turned it into a federal holiday. So a lot of what was done in the beginning of, you know, like early 1800s was just the kind of traditions that had been brought from Europe. Um, there might have been some loot fisk, I don't know. <laughs> um, and the <laughs> fact that there were, that Christmas trees, of course, came from Germany, but very few people had a Christmas tree until the mid-1800s or 1800s because they, it just wasn't done. Santa Claus came mostly through New York because um, St. Nicholas was the, like the patron saint of the Dutch. And so a lot of them settled in New York State. So apparently they celebrated the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th. Um, and then it wasn't until 1822 that Clement Moore wrote the poem, as he called it, an account of a visit from St. Nicholas, but we know it as, come on, guys, you know. The night before Christmas. Yeah, it was the night before Christmas. So I just thought it was interesting that, and a lot of the music that uh, the Christmas carols that we know of that are, you know, like popular Christian Christmas carols, um, it, uh, it came upon a midnight clear was 1849, We Three Kings was 1857, and Jingle Bells was 1856. Wow. Huh. That is so cool. Yeah. I yeah. just thought it was kind of interesting yeah. that they really didn't celebrate except for their own small little traditions um, until like the middle or late 1800s. So, you know, we talk about the whole war on Christmas. Well, it wasn't really a thing. And then it wasn't until also the middle and late 1800s that it started to become commercialized. And I think Uh, that's what, that's when everybody started celebrating the same way. Um, um, I think when the telegraph came, they started talking, you know, family members who had moved west would talk about the Christmas tree that they'd gotten because, you know, the German neighbors down the street had this tree with candles on it. And they told, you know, family members and it kind of traveled. And, that, and then as people traveled west, they took that tradition with them. So it became more um, standardized. But Christmas trees were not even a thing until like early to middle 1800s. Hmm. Now, when you were a school teacher, did you have a special, like, songs that you had your students do, like Handel's Messiah? or? Well, I taught junior high, so we didn't do Messiah. It was just a little bit over their heads. You know, it's a little more difficult than junior high kids could do. But I found that interesting because now my friends who are teaching – can't even mention Christmas. 
It's a holiday concert. Mm-hmm. There's no such, and it depends. I mean, in public schools anyway, and I, I taught in public right. school. I would start in October, right around like before Halloween to start rehearsing my choirs for the Christmas concert, which would be, you know, the first part of December, um, either the first or the second week of December. And we did sacred songs. We did secular songs, you know, secular meaning jingle bells and sacred meaning all the church stuff. Um, mm. It, everybody just assumed that's what you did. It was a Christmas concert, but boy, you can't do that today. Mm-mm. No, I didn't even know. I'm trying to think of when the last time I heard a Christmas, like a, a religious song in a holiday show. It's been a long time, at least probably yeah. 10 years. Yeah, because we did a holy night, I know, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I taught... I taught uh, music from 1975 through 81. So it's been, you know, well, that's been a few years, but um, I know now it just doesn't happen unless it's a church or a private school. They right. don't do Christmas. It's a holiday, huh. some sort of a quote unquote holiday song. So right. out of curiosity, if if I may ask you a question, Ms. Shaver. Sure. Um, that evolution having taken place um, where Christmas songs or at least religious Christmas songs are no longer being performed in public schools. Um, do you ultimately think that that's a good thing or do you think that perhaps there should be an evolution to where perhaps um, religious songs from various traditions are included or. Uh, I would definitely go that direction. Um, I'm much more about the inclusion and teaching about different traditions. Um, I remember also just this week on Facebook, I saw um, a high school English teacher had asked students, I don't know if maybe it wasn't even English that had asked students to, to look at the art in other languages. And and she'd had them um, draw or write in Arabic and copy from this piece of Arabic. I'm sure you guys probably saw it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And that that was like, you know, a huge uproar in the, those. What did it say? I never caught that. Well, I think it was, um, if I read it right, I can't tell you exactly, but I think it had to, it was a piece of the tradition of the religion. So it was like a, like a prayer or a, or a praise, maybe a praise of some sort. Um, I don't know, praise Allah or whatever, but it was a, it it came not, it wasn't just words in the language, it was from a religious text. Uh, and I think that's uh, what the problem was. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really a Which shame. Is, I, that I that... find it's, yeah, it's sad that yeah. we can't learn because there's so much beautiful tradition and there's so much shared tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at Christmas, um, uh, you know, so many of the traditions around Christmas came from other religions. They were co-opted by the Christian church at the time. Of course, it was Catholic. But, you know, they every time they went out into a country, they took up, you know, they said they took some of the local traditions of that religion and incorporated them into the stories about the, the birth. So it, it our even Christian culture, quote unquote, has 
all of those other cultures in it, but unfortunately not everybody understands that they, you know, they've, mm. they've, um, maybe people are a little too serious about, mm-hmm. you know, well, like Tom having, says, putting the caliphate in calligraphy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And by that, by also too, he had said earlier, the lesser shaver. <laughs> you can blame Jonathan for that. I love you, Tom, I promise. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, so that is, there you go. Well, that you know, it, it is awesome because you want to honor all traditions. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what we were trying to do tonight. And we kind of got off the tracks a little. But, um, you know, eventually we'll probably end up doing some of these. So you'll, uh, it's my understanding, Yule is tomorrow. So happy Yule to the two people that celebrate and chat. And Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. The other ones that we've missed, but uh, I think we had a fantastic show. Absolutely, and, yes. And I had amazing. a ball. This was absolutely wonderful. I had so much fun. Oh well, thank you, you so much. Thank you. you were amazing, and I'd love to have you back. I really yes, would. Yes, absolutely. Um, you're so easy to talk to, and well, we just kind of flow with the, you know. well i also brought a bunch of recipes if anybody really wants them i have my um chicken vegetable soup which is what you should eat before you go to your party because that'll fill you up and my white chicken chili and i found a new recipe for a gluten-free loaded oatmeal cookie oh cool it has Mm. craisins in it so if anybody's interested i i'll be glad to post some of those recipes if if yes i am i especially want your the soup okay especially and um and that means and probably you don't want to know about the red lobster cheddar biscuits i've never made them but they look like they would be awesome but not healthy oh okay then i don't want them but other people might. I. <laughs> yeah, other people definitely might. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> and oh, Snork gosh. says his new holiday is Squirrel Squeezing Day. And Tom says we're going to po- post it on Facebook. Yeah, I really want that um, soup. Peggy, I think, makes some of the best food because I have looked at some of your pictures and then, without really knowing the recipe, I've tried <laughs> to make some stuff to make it look like yours. But well, you're always welcome to have recipes. I don't hoard anything, so I'll share them all. Cool. I think I've gotten a couple from you. But, yeah, she's has some really neat stuff to do with vegetables in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I couldn't eat that. That's exactly what I'm supposed to be eating. I like that. Absolutely. So, that is yeah, super cool. Yeah. So I'll be glad to share, and um, we'll put them on the Facebook page. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Well, unfortunately, we are at the end of the show. We went a little bit over. But before we go, uh, Peggy, I would like to give you a chance to say goodbye. And if there's anything that you'd like to promote, I know that you have a website for your, um, is it Life Counseling? 
I, I forget the term. I'm so it's sorry. Life coaching. I'm going to. I'm not doing much of it now, but I'm going to be doing some writing and blogging as well. But I do life coaching and and mentoring generally. Um, you can find me at PeggySchaefer.net. That's um, P-E-G-G-Y S-H-A-F-E-R.net or BeYourOwnBestSelf.com. Cool. That is beautiful. Well, Peggy, once again, thank you so much for being here, and I hope that you have a happy holidays. Thank you. You guys, too. Thank you. All right. So I for the last words from everybody else here, we will start with Mr. Joey Word. Oh, I'd like to thank you, Peggy, for being here. And, and uh, uh, that was that was that was educating what you was talking about and everything. And I had some I had fun. And I'd like to thank you, Jonathan, and you, uh, uh, Janet, and I think uh, our other guest that was here earlier. I, I keep forgetting our doggone name. I'm sorry if I forgot Dana. your name. Dana. Dana. <laughs> I started to say something else. I'm sorry, Dana, but I, I, I enjoyed your conversation, too. And everyone in the, in the chat room, I love y'all, and everyone listening, love y'all. And happy holidays. Excellent. Yes. And happy holidays to you, Joey. And uh, moving on next to Ms. Janet Lee. I want to say thank you to our fantastic guests and to Jonathan, who worked hard to get music, and Joey for talking about the great woman, Dorothea Height, and our wonderful chat people. And, of course, Peggy, who I hope to have back and maybe talk a little bit about life coaching and what that means and other things. Because, like I said, she's a woman of many talents. Um, And Dana was great. So thank you, everybody. I want you to have a happy Chris McQuanicus. Darn it. (laughs) Tom's post is up at the top. Christmas Hanukkah. <laughs> Still, you guys are laughing at me. Christmas well, I Quanta love it. Consica. Christmas Quanta, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Janet's holiday. Christmas Quanta's uh, Donna, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom had it in chat, and I looked over, and of course, they've been typing, so my cheat sheet has moved. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> 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 Happy holidays, everybody. (laughs) There you go. All right. So from me, your host, I want to once again thank Dana. I want to thank you, Peggy. Both of you were phenomenal. Uh, Joey, thank you so much for your segment again. Uh, From the Southern Progressive Revival family and the Matthews family, I'd like to extend to all of you a very happy holidays, whether you celebrate something that was mentioned tonight or something else entirely. Uh, It's been my pleasure to begin this journey with all of you. And this show will be playing in the stead of another live show next Sunday, December 27th, as we all take a break for Christmas. Uh, We will be back in 2016 with a ton of great brand new shows and specials. We have a whole lot planned. We'll be starting off the year right on January 3rd with an all positive stories show in honor of the new year. So love and peace to you all. And don't forget to listen to Lux Radio Theater's adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life. And please do not let that get you depressed uh, on (laughs) Sci-Fi Double Feature starting tonight at uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. I hope to see you all again in 2016. Have a happy holidays, a happy new year, and good night, y'all. Signing off until next we meet again. I've got to let you go. Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate that's it. That's good. Wonderful uh, yeah, to see you. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. uh-huh, right. Yeah, great. You come back and see me, you hear? 
night, Mama. Night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, Jim Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. This is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and I want to wish every one of you a happy Hanukkah Monzadon. Isn't that right, Suze? Yes, happy Hanukkah Monzadon. Hey, and don't you worry, all of our cats are working on presents for you right now. The Doctor, Timby, and Jeliza Rose are all chewing on tinsel at this very moment, working on a special surprise for all of you. That's right, Ken. And it wouldn't be the holidays without tinsel hanging out of all of our cats' butts. <laughs> so true. Happy holidays from Indie Media Weekly. <laughs>